You're listening to Show Pony Radio with your hosts, Sarah Patricia and Katie Joe. Because behind every buckle, there's a story. Ready? Hey guys! It's been a hot minute, but we're back with something big. Pretty excited about this one. Uh, we're here with Shane Dowdy. He's going to give us a story about his uh, life and all the horses that he's won on and everything else. Shane, say hi. Hello. Hello, Shane. <laughs> We've been working on this one for a while. I'm excited. And it's been two years since we started the podcast. So this is almost to the day, our two-year anniversary, uh, we started with leave. So that's kind of fun. Full circle, huh? Yeah, full circle. Full circle. We're going to start with you're from, uh, how you were raised, yada, yada. So your dad... Go, go, talk to us about Snuffy. That was your dad's nickname. Yeah, my, my dad's nickname was Snuffy. His real name is Donald Ray Dowdy. Name? Yeah. That's a regal sounding. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Where's he from? He is from Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. Um, Snuffy and his dad, Donald Ray Dowdy, were into halter horses. So I, I grew up with halter horses. Mm-hmm. And that was... And you did the Appaloosas. Ab- you did the Appaloosas, right? Because mm-hmm. Tim always says, I've known, I've known him longer than you have. He's an ad man. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Dad was friends with uh, Jerry Stafford, and Jerry and Marty got hooked up, and they had an employee named Cleve Wells. Mm-hmm. So they moved to Rendon, Texas, and that was that was right there the border in town of Burles. So when Jerry moved to town, he come by to see my dad, and I was interested in riding horses at the time. So he said, well, yeah, I could just come on over for the summer. You can work here. And so you were how old? I'd be 15. Okay. But okay, so your dad did halter horses. Did he do riding horses too? No, we just did straight halter horses. So you just decided you wanted to do something different, but with the horses. Yeah, I think it's like a lot of young guys. I wanted to ride. That's really how I got into the halter horses. You went for Marty right. and Jerry, right? And that's how you met Cleve. That's how I met Cleve. Yes. You're 15. Yes. You got to look at it. You're you're a 15 year old guy, and you go there for the summer, and they got you know abs and. Patty and all them riding around in saddles with shorts and bikinis. I was hooked. Makes sense. <laughs> I bet you guys didn't have any fun. No, we didn't have yeah. any fun. It, it, it was a blast. That's that's where I met Rod Blackwell. Awesome guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was a lot it was a lot of fun, but then from there you ended up where? Well, from Barney and Jerry's I kinda got got hooked. Hooked on the riding horses, so I'd go to school and then when when summer come around, Marty and Jerry and them was divorced by then. And Cleve just starting his own business there in Rendon. My dad also knew this, this couple named Clinton Liz Haverty that we seen at the app shows. And all I really wanted to do was ride horses. So I had to go to school, but when the summer come out, I could go. Went to Clinton Liz Haverty's, work a little bit, and go to the app nationals. I remember where Mike Tim. Right. right. Yeah. He remembers that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he said you guys are both young, dumb idiots. <laughs> young, dumb idiots. <laughs> Yes. I think you're exactly the same age. Are you, you're how old are you? I'm 50. Yeah, so I'm half 100. Yeah, so is Tim. You're exactly the same age. Mm-hmm. You thought that. Mm-hmm. And so then you graduated high school? Yeah. Ish? Ish. Ish. I, went, I did homeschool. I went to Clinton Liz's. I promised my mom I'd never quit riding horses. She had let me do homeschool. You homeschool. And so you graduated? Yes. And then after you graduated, you ended up peeps? Well, oh. It, it, it kind of bounced around like... You know, I wasn't a real good employee, so when Clinton and Liz would get tired of me, I went to Cleves, and when Cleve had enough of me, I went back to Clinton and Liz's. I bet you so were I, a peach at 15. Yeah, I was a peach. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But they yeah. still took you back. Yes, I was a peach. Well, I was an honest peach. Yeah, 
enough. Fair enough. Well, what happened is, is I went to Marty and Jerry's, and then and then I went to Cleves, and then I went to Clint and Liz Haverty's. Okay. And that, that six-year period, yes, and I was I was young. I would go work for free. Okay, just right. wherever you could go. As long as you had a place to sleep and food, you were good? Yes. yes. I wish you could go back that time. It was pretty good. What was your favorite time? Favorite time. Um, I spent that, that six-year gap there. I was at Clinton Liz Haverty's. Showed a lot of Appaloosas. I showed a lot. When I was 19. 19. Post mm-hmm. high school, first real job. Post high school, first real job. It was Clinton Liz Haverty. I lived, I lived in the house with them. They raised me. Pretty much. If you think about it, somebody from 17 to 19, that'll, that'll shape and form a personal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are major years. Major years. And then after that, you went to Cleves, and mm-hmm. just because you said Rawhide, wasn't Rawhide there too at that time? Mm-hmm. I went Rawhide back years ago at Marty and Jerry's. Then you ended up at Cleves with him again? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me about your Cleve years. About my Cleve years? Yeah, I want to hear about your, you were there for what five or six years? Yeah, the first I, time I was there for a while. Yeah, <laughs> a hot minute. And give me my like first a... Congress was with Cleve. Okay, and uh, I don't know what year it was, but I know I know Chip was three, as in Zip Yes, mm-hmm. Fancy Career was two. Yes, Andy was pregnant with Tyler. I was a super hottie, by the way. Okay, well, Tyler was in the <laughs> oven, that was that was. That's my first time to Congress. I want to say it was in 1989. You showed, or you just for that? No, I was just stall cleaner, lunger. You were that guy. I was that guy, and that's you, where I met Jim Kaiser. Jim Kaiser worked for Mike Mosier. You got to lunge, yes, and fancy career. Yes, I'd do it too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but then I, I was pretty hot stuff, really. <laughs> I remember back then is we used to move Chip around to different people's stalls. Because they didn't have night watch when we didn't want nobody to dope him in the middle of the night. So, so we'd go out there after work and move Chip over to another stall, move Fancy Career over to another stall. You know, so you'd go out there at 2 or 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. That's easy to do with Congress, too. You're yes. most often there not on purpose at those hours. Yes, so you, you'd, you'd have to go fetch him, you know, from whoever stalls they were. That's the first time I've ever seen Dale Livingston's curtains was there. With the beautiful shavings in the ground. I remember being a little kid. I'm a little younger than you, Shane. It looked like Taj Mahal. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. (laughs) And the funny thing about it is now if they did it, it would be like, oh, that's all you did? Yes. But those burgundy curtains with the beautiful shiny gold Mm -hmm. buckle and the rope. I remember Mm -hmm. that from the back cover of the journal. Yes. the back cover of the journal every month. And they always had the shavings now, which in a weird way, the lights, because he had lights too. Yeah. And the lights would shine and the shavings, it was the same color as the gold on the buckle and the rope. I remember when Chip was in Stallion Avenue too. Yes. That's when I was there. We'd have to lead him up there during the day, put him in stay. And they could get pet on and pictures. Yeah, this yo-yo contest. It was, it was quite the dog. It was dog a big deal. Show. It, was, it was a very big deal. It was a big deal. It was huge. Yeah. Huge. So you were a stall cleaner then, but then at some point in time during this tenure with Cleve, you ended up, wasn't that Well, like, I got fired from Cleve after that because I wasn't a good employee. I'd always be late. Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Then wasn't those the same years that you had Light Cruiser and Amble and all that stuff? Or am I getting this all mixed up? No, uh, you're getting you're getting it mixed up. There was looking at eighty nine was my Congress eighty eight with Cleve. Okay. And then Light Cruiser come along for me. My life was in ninety three. In that time period there, from Chip to Light Cruiser is when I hung out at Haverty's. And that's when I really met Tim, got to know Tim. 
Oh, I got it. That's why this is all happening. Yes. Okay. So you went to the Congress as basically the lunging bitch. Yes. And that's when you did the chip thing with Cleve. And then when you came back home, you went back to Happiness. Yes. Because yes, Cleve that... was like, get this obnoxious thing. Yeah. yeah. You had enough. Okay. You know, so that, so... you know, look, you're 10 minutes late with Cleve. You're fired. Sure. Fair enough, especially with horses. That good. I mean, <laughs> you're not going to mess around. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. You're a chief for Indian with him. Yes. I was with Cleve. I was 18 or 19. And after that, after that year, I went to Clinton Liz's. Okay. And we got to show a lot. I got to show a whole lot. And that's where I met Tim. That's where me and Tim got to know each other. Right. Art Schaefer, Adam Dell. Shout to the Ad Boys. Yes. <laughs> um... I'm missing a few, but met Alan Fisher there. Stanley Ryan come Stan through. Ryan. Yep. You know, I met Stanley Ryan at Cleves. Mm -hmm. So met Greg Wheat when I was there at Cleves. Greg worked for Cleve? No, but he had horses and training with them. You know, this is going back a long time. Sure. So I met those folks through Cleve. Clinton Liz's, I'd bump into them at horse shows. Yeah. Ran, I, I can remember Randy Wilson helping me when I worked for Clinton Liz Harvey. You do good at the apps? You win anything with them? I didn't win like Mark Schaefer won, like Tim won, but I, <laughs> I was, uh, you did, you know, I, I did good. I was second, third, and I got to show a lot. That's probably good practice anyways if you hadn't really gotten the show I got to show a whole lot. Tim's convinced that all the boys he's had have gone on to do really good because, I mean, when you're in an app show, you show every, you show every time the gate opens, you yes. show. Game and show. so all those boys, you the know, Kiels Pat and, and, yes. and Dave and Danny and all, and Colt, yes. they showed every time the gate opened, no matter what. Right. So all that is is practice, right? Right. Like, you don't put all that, you know, it's not all that build up, build up, build up, go to the power show one time. It's right. like, no, we're in an show, you're going to show a hundred times. Right. And then it stops meaning so much when the gate opens. Well, you, you, you get used to, get used to the pressure you're supposed to do good. You know, that's the big thing is. How do, you, how do you handle showing when you're supposed to win? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> how do you handle managing problems that horses give you during the class with your hands down? Let's just get it as simple as it is. Like, it's really easy to show when everything's going good. Now you're showing the third string Appaloosa of playing right. Well, right. you learn how to show real, real fast. Right, you know how to show when they're showing you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tim's always like, I know it's not riding good, honey, but don't worry, I've carried Epilusas around my whole life. Right. I got this. Right. And that's probably the same right. thing. That's the years that I spent. Those are valuable years, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Looking back, I don't know, I wouldn't trade it for nothing. Take me from then to... To when? I don't know, take me to... Well, what happened after Haverty's? Where'd you go after that? Well, you... I went back to work for Clee. Okay. Um... Now I've been shown 110 times. I got you. You know, and when I was at Haverty's, that... They were good horses. They were sure. real good horses. You know, you Tim can Tim can say. I mean, this Sundown Q, he produced a lot of he produced a lot of horses and we'd go to every state fraternity. Liz pushed them and I got to show a lot, you know. Show a lot. So that that really helped me for when I went back to Cleves to get what I remember, it could be different, but what I remember I went back to Cleves so I could get the non pro is ready. If he wanted to ride an open horse for an hour and a half, he could. He didn't want to have to worry about the non-pro horses. So I went I went back for basically just get the non-pro horses ready, show horses with the non-pros. They're the best, you know, that's how I remember it. Did you give lessons too? Did I give lessons? Yeah. Well, when I come, Cleve, Cleve gives the lessons and I've tried to sweep it up. If that makes sense. 
you know, it, if something there, goes there, wrong, there, 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 you make there, a mental note of it and you go back and fix it. I do. Yes. Yeah. That was, and, that's, and, yeah. you know, back then I didn't know, I didn't know how to fix it. I'm not saying I do now, but I'd run back to Cleve and Cleve said, well, you need to do this or you need to do that. So I was kind of like the, the middle man. You were the mechanic as Katie Jo likes to call herself. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm the mechanic. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't know nothing. I remember going to horse shows with Cleve and we, first went and he goes okay look you can win the senior pleasure today we'll stay for the last day you can win the circuit yes but if you don't win the day we're not staying we're loaded up and leaving because cleve had congress world showing his mind the weekend horse shows you could mess around yeah i'm i'm look, look you get me a circuit champion that was like world championship i'm, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> that's awesome yeah so then you have that's so that was your motivation yeah that would light yes. a fire under you yeah so it, it if you if you tell me I can if I win the senior pleasure on Friday, we'll stay for Saturday for you to show. He's already qualified. He's off to better things. So well, you're like I, I'm safe. Well, yeah, I walk in there and I win. I'm like, yeah, we got <laughs> we got to stay. <laughs> well, at least he helped you grow. He helped you. Oh grow. yeah, he helped me grow. No doubt. That's cool. I've always thought of him as a um, thinker, and you're a thinker. So, did yeah. you ever did you ever like break things down with each other that you were just like, whoa? Y'all will analyze something to death on horse. Well, yeah. I always got told keep it simple. That's yeah. ironic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you should. Says the guy who reads that, the that, that, that's, that's what I said. <laughs> well, I mean, wait a minute. Keep it simple. We're gonna start riding them out of our feet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> go means stop. Stop means go. And you're telling me keep it simple, but. Yeah. Katie yeah. Green gives you the credit. Not credit, but she really gave you a big tip of the hat. Um, on this for, podcast? Yeah. And in, in Rusty's podcast for teaching, for changing the horses in a way that you rode out of your feet. So it's interesting you said that. She even said riding out of your feet. Well, I mean, that's nice. What I can remember in, uh, I remember in 92, Mike, Mike Moser and Cleve were friends. Okay. And I remember Mike telling Cleve, make your, Feet your hands. What he did, because Mike, Mike Mosier was ahead of his time. Make you know, your feet your hands is brilliant. Yes, make it your is. feet your Great hands. Great way to say it. So you know, it took a couple of years to Cleve to figure it out, teach it back to me. But was he a feet on the dashboard kind of guy? Mike. No, Cleve. No, no. He always rode out of his feet. We did quite a bit, quite a bit. Looking back on, we rode a lot of our feet in. in I would say maybe I get the credit for for that, but Cleve's the one that sat there in the arena and would tell you that looks bad, that looks good. If that makes sense. So you just got to experiment with his eyes. His eyes and his. It's like no, you can't do that. You can't do this. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So his method and his eyes, you kind of got the feel for yeah, it. Yeah, his his method is that somehow or another. He took, he took what Mike Mosier used to put on a horse and put in today. We did. Yes. Mm-hmm. So take me to... There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing that I've seen any anybody do. Aaron Moses, Jay Starnes, Rusty, you name them. There's nothing they do on a horse that I haven't seen Cleve talk about doing. That was a, those were important years for you in your horse training education. You just say. Yeah, light hairs used to run off. If you keep his neck down, he win. So you had to use your feet to keep his neck but down. But if he ever bought it, if he ever got his head up and run off, 
you'd lose. But if you keep his neck level and keep him contained, he'd win. I mean, hell, I never won nothing. How did you get him? Uh, Cleve's, wasn't he? Cleve bought him for a customer named May Walton. May Evans Walton come from Georgetown, Texas. He bought Light Cruiser for her. And by the way, Light Cruiser is well, he was a good horse. Is one of my dad's all-time favorite horses. Yeah. Is this it's, a gray horse? It's a good yeah. one. with white. Gary Truby told me when I went to Congress on him, I was sitting there and I turned to go in and I'll never forget, was in a Celeste. And Gary Truby said, that was the best Western pleasure run I've ever seen in my life. How that make you feel? I still scared shitless. He was trying to run off the whole time with the organ. <laughs> the, oh, the organ. The organ. I missed the organ. I missed the Congress. Dang it. I missed the organ. <laughs> I missed the organ. The organ was clutch. I missed the organ pretty bad. Yeah. Okay, so when you were there during this time, you won the world show twice on Zippo, Zamblinese, and Light Cruiser? Yes. Twice each? No, I once each. Once each. each. Still awesome. <laughs> <laughs> once each is cool, too. And the, <laughs> and the Congress on Light Cruiser? Yes, I won the cruise. Won the senior pleasure on light cruiser. I want to say I was sixth in the junior pleasure on Little Amble. I won the limited part of the maturity, and I was second in the open behind uh, Roy Compton and Zippo's Tiger Bar. Z Zippo's Tiger Bar. Oh. Yeah, that's a great horse. That's a great horse. And a state Hall of Famer. Yes. Still alive. Uh-huh. That's yeah. a great horse. Um, it's okay to be second there. to that one. That's great. Yeah, I'd take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it, he says. So that was You're the about, this is my second year of the Congress. That's what I mean. Okay, so the first year was the year you were lunging. This this is the second year? You won? No, actually it was the third. Okay. First year I lunged. The second year I got to show uh, the full brother to Zip's chocolate chip. Oh, hell. can't remember his name. I was sixth in the limited. That's where I met Bobby Avila. Back when those boys did play. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so take me from there. Thank God you didn't go from lunging to winning. That would just be an unfair situation for all of us. Yeah, maybe we want to pack up and go to work at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> you don't ever lunge and So let's say but, this. But, but listen, it's, if you look at it from my perspective, it, it was almost like I went from lunging to winning. That's a huge jump, is my point. Like that would yeah, be. It's, it's a huge jump. Yeah. Not you, in respect of what you won, but I mean, I went from being an open rider to three years later, 100,000 rider. Mm -hmm. I was never an intermediate rider. Mm -hmm. I went from the limited, just like that, boom, done. And I've never been back since. You think that that's okay, or is that like pretty scary? Not about me. Fast success is still success. I mean, did it slow you down? I don't. From my point of view, in 92, when I first showed it to Tom Powers for Cleve, I won the limited threes. There was 100 in class. Wow. Yeah. So I remember going into 93, I wasn't a limited rider. Oh, damn. Sure, because it's scary yeah. sometimes. So you're sitting there. So we're at Tom Powers. In back 90... to the bottom of the food chain. Back to the bottom <laughs> of the food chain. So you're you're sitting at Tom Powers, and you're in the twos, and you're in the, I made the finals to Tom Powers in the two-year-old open. And I remember Troy Oakley looking at me one time. He goes, you know what? You did pretty good. First year here, you made the open finals. And I do believe the intermediate has diluted that. Okay. So what, let's say today we go up there and, hey, I'm a, I'm a finalist in the two. You go, so what? I don't think it's a so what, but I think there's a strategy to it. Like, I think, for example, Tim, you just shut him off this year. Because he's going to get bumped back down to the intermediate next year. It was kind of a weird year anyway. Mm -hmm. And we just pulled the plug on everything, so there's a lot of strategy to it. And I do think you're right, because instead of going out and trying to win everything, 
like we have to talk to Judge about the powers, mm-hmm. the December powers here. Right. Because we're trying to hold Stephanie back and limited, and I'm like, man, Tim might get caught back in the intermediate. We have so many tools next year that we're, you know, we're trying to make that work. Right, right. And I think that when there was no intermediate, it was like once you were on limited, you just tried to rip everyone's head off and you went to pen as much right. as you could. Right. Whereas now, you sort of duck and dive a little bit. Right. So if, if you look at my career, in 92, I won the limited in Tom Powers. 93, I was no longer limited. So it... You had to step up big time. I had to step up, and I was really focused on one thing. No. Oh, what? Make my horse as good as it can be. Not make my horse, but make myself control my emotions as well as I could. I had a gray horse that could win it all. But can I control my emotions for 12 minutes? Somewhere in there, that's got lost. You've got to control your emotions, especially when you're on the winning horse. Especially with pressure. Pressure. I'll just be straight and up honest. If I don't have that much pressure, I suck. It's almost a joke in our barn. I'm only good with pressure. Sure. But what I was saying, I guess between now and then, when there wasn't an intermediate... You had you, to go straight to the top right you, away. You had to compete with them. You had to control your emotions. Control your emotions is not when you're winning. Control your emotions to get your horse ready as good as you can. Go compete. Because you can't control what a five-disc system does. Maybe the only thing you can control is top five. But who's gonna, who's gonna win first, second, third, fourth? And you mean you got, in your preparation, you wanted to be mentally sharp? Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm talking about now. Yeah, that you makes know, sense. Yeah, yeah, months going into it. It's a lot of sense. I always say at a major event, if you have a good horse and you're someone who you, you I mean, I think that you and I are, are good at what we do, and we're capable of having a horse at a major event in top five anytime we go in. Mm-hmm. So when you have a good horse, all you can really say to yourself, because I've talked to myself, I know you do too. I've seen you do it lots of Yeah, times. it's not a good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's a little better, maybe. Anyway, maybe. I'm always like, okay, I know I can be in the top five. Correct. I would love to be in the top three. Yes. And I think that, that if you have a horse that can win it, I think top three is a realistic goal. But to be disappointed with, with fifth is a, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. So for me, I'm yes. always like, okay, I know I can be in the top five and I can control that, like you said. Right. So let's control that. Yes. And if I can't make that happen... And someone dropped the ball. Right. Be it me or the fat lady that fell out of the stands with my horse. Or I decided to limp that Yeah, day. but if the fat lady falls out of the stands, you're still responsible. No, <laughs> 100%. 100%. If that but horse is focused so much on the fat lady falling out of the stands. 100%. And, you, and she dropped her popcorn, you're out. 100%. That's on you. Has anyone 100%. ever had a fat lady fall out of the stands with popcorn? Oh, yeah. There's, well, I don't know. I've been focused. There's metal seats. There's, there's metal seats in the Celeste Center, and they used to let them bring dogs in, and they had they used to have those chain leashes. Do you know what makes a lot of noise? Chain on metal? A fat lady falling down the metal stands with a chain leash on their dog. Oh, I'm I know a, what horse that was. Yeah. I take that back. That was in the little saddle. <laughs> yeah, in the little horrible. saddle. Horrible. I remember one year at the App Nationals, we went from Tom Powers to the App Nationals. Oh, I remember that used to be a run for you guys, too. Yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of a good run, but... You had to be ready when you left Tobbs, and you had to be Absolutely. double throw down ready. Okay. Like, I mean, you had to have them dialed in, because when you got there, you're you're gonna lose, you were going to lose a percentage. Yes. But and you basically... Hit the go. ground running. And I, <laughs> the horse I was ready for, the lady was waiting for me. We got there. We got there like at 8 in the morning, okay? I just woke up, and they dropped us off, and all this. And I remember showing in the junior pleasure at the app and reaching over. I was so tired, this little boy... 
thought, okay, you got to break your focus. And I reached over and got this popcorn. And this little boy in the stands, each time I went by, we trotted, we loped. I kept going. Every time I went by, we got popcorn out of his bag. Got popcorn out of his bag while you were loping down the rail. Yes. Showing. Okay. Yes. Just to be clear, <laughs> did you win anyway? I was second behind Mark Schaefer. You couldn't beat Mark Schaefer to that. Well, you were eating good. popcorn. Mm. Well, that had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I love That's that. So fucking awesome. <laughs> okay. We're moving on. Okay. So. <laughs> We're done with Cleve. We got Amble and Light Cruiser have happened. Now those they're like. Oh, those are the two most important horses that you showed at Cleve's, you think? Missing anything? What about Chips Hot Chocolate? You need to. Well, you know, Chips Hot Chocolate would have been a real important part of my life, but he got bigger than 14 3, so he was Cleve's. <laughs> you know, the whole time he was there, he, he, was, a, he was a good horse. He was a great horse. Cleve was, Cleve was good. The longer I've been in this, respect you have to give for it. He told you you could show it, and the customers agreed you could show it. You knew all year long. But Chip was kind of small. He said, you know, this is a good horse. Everybody knew he's a good horse. He said, look, Shane, he's he's going to be your two-year-old until he gets to 14-3. I remember I had a little stick. You know, you have a stick? Sticks, right? And once a month, and as it got closer to Tom Powers, I'm measuring, and this thing's growing. Dang it. Yeah, but but the whole the whole time that I rode him, I knew he was gonna be pleased if he got over fourteen three. So he was a real good horse. Of course, he wouldn't have got over fourteen three because I probably would have had a Euro World Champion, <laughs> Junior, <laughs> <and> Senior. <laughs> so you're you're having all the success in the show pen. What's going on in your personal life? You got some. Oh, it's a life? straight up disaster. Is <laughs> feast or famine? Feast or famine? Yeah. Okay, so tell us about your Feaster. personal life during this time. My personal life really is, I ate, slept, and breathed show horses. Mm -hmm. It was as messed up as you can imagine. Your, your personal life My was. personal life. Because <laughs> all you cared about was horses. All I, all I cared about was showing horses. You know, you've you got to look at it from a, that dreamed about it his whole life to bump into people and you, you have two world champions and you beat the guy that you're working for and he's, he's on your team. Nothing matters. Sure. When I tell you nothing mattered, nothing mattered. You know, you'd be at the bar at eight, you stayed all day, you stayed, whatever it took. And did you go to family reunions? No. Because I didn't go to family reunions because if I went to a family reunion, somebody else out there would be riding. I rode on Sundays because I knew everybody else was taking Sundays off. So I looked at it like if I rode on Sundays, I rode on Thanksgiving, I rode on Easter, Wrote on Christmas, wrote on those holidays. Didn't take no vacation. Well, that would put me at least 36, 48 rides ahead of everybody else. Then I would gamble to play with them. Then. I never felt like I was good enough to work six days a week, five days a week. Take your holidays and go to your cousin's wedding and go. This didn't matter at that time. No, that was not in my, that was not my wheelhouse whatsoever. How'd you feel when you won the trophy? Like, did you feel accomplished, or were you worried about the next thing? No, I was worried about the next thing. You so, never really enjoyed the moment. I looked at it like that's what I was supposed to do. It wasn't like I jumped over an eight-foot fence. It was like, okay, that's what you're supposed to do. And you'll work through your holidays, and you'll skip your family life, and you'll skip all this other, and that's what you'll get. That, that was my mindset. Looking back, do you think that was a good mindset? I wish you were more, a little more chill about it. 
more chill about it today, but I can't say that looking back on that it was the wrong thing. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. No, like, yeah, no, that's I, fine. That's what we're asking I for. wouldn't have had that success. I don't think I'm good enough to work six days a week, five days a week. Even Being now? somebody that's out there. No, even now, no. Like, you think what, what, you think what beat everybody was not your talent, it was your work? By far. Really? Interesting. Very. Yeah. Even today, like, if I come out of the pen, they go, you know, I could have been better. You know the first thing that goes through my mind? You showed up to Barnet at nine. You took a two-hour lunch. You left a couple hours early. You went and did this family activity. Whether it's right or wrong, that's what goes through my head. I'm going around the pen, and I don't feel I don't feel like I'm having a good ride, and I look across there, and somebody's beating my ass. But you know what? Those guys worked on Sundays. They did the Christmas. They rode on Christmas Day. They rode on Thanksgiving Day. What goes through my head? Right or wrong? Okay. What do you think of it? I get for sir? like. Well, it's just, that's interesting. It's crazy to me that someone that is so undisputably talented as you are still thinks that you have to work that hard. How many times have you won the world show in the Congress? Uh, I mean, that doesn't happen if you don't have some talent. Yeah. Let me ask you an honest question. Uh, How much? <laughs> How much did drugs play a part in your work ethic? A lot. A lot. I mean, because this was the time when you were young and wild and crazy. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, how much did that play into the fact that you used to ride all the time? A lot. Is it because it kept you going or because... It, it replaced or... It kept me enthusiastic. That's, the, that's my biggest struggle today is the enthusiastic. You know, let's just lay it out there being honest. No, I mean... Cause... If you're not going to sleep, you might as well feel okay about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I just think you can stay up for two days and feel terrible. But to be excited about something for a length of time, especially mm -hmm. when you're exhausted, that's different. That's different. And that's the extra mile. That's the extra mile. That's the extra mile. So, so you, you, can look at it, you, you can look at my life and say, well, he bumped into something that gave him enthusiasm. So that's a reason. Look, look, I'm talented. Thank you for admitting that. I was becoming concerned. No. I mean... Growing up with great. I just like that he said bumped into the reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when, when, but when you find something that it's two or three in the morning, you got to go out there and ride. Oh you can go out there and ride and be tired. You can go out there and ride and be wishing you were somewhere else. You're going to have enthusiasm out of it. And be in the moment. Right yeah, there. It's being around. Right there. Right there. Yeah. And so at, at this point in time, it wasn't a problem for you. You were just really diving the horses. Hello, what a problem for me. It's a problem with everybody else involved with me. <laughs> <laughs> when did it be? So, I mean, in these years, we're talking like up until you're up until you married Jody Lee, just for conversation. In what year? Married Jody in '99. We're talking about this period of time before '99. Yeah, I started chasing her there, Tom Powers in '97. So this is when I noticed noticed her. You took a notice. Yeah, I noticed. If I if I noticed something, I. If it gets in my, how do I say that? If it if it gets in my sight, knock on wood, I've got everything I've ever focused on. <laughs> what are you laughing? <laughs> That's just the way it is. If I focus on it, I can get it. And so she had Sebastian Cadillac mm -hmm. with Mike Carter. Yeah, he's a great horse trainer. Great horse trainer. Great. My dad's second favorite horse, maybe first. I'm not sure what order is. Probably really a gentleman. Yes. He had. Well, that's that's the mother to the one that Rustin Katie just got on. But I wish Mike Carter would do more clinics. 
And Mike Carter told me one time, if you can get that horse to operate out of your knees and calves before you touch it with your spur, I don't care if you want to blow up in place. Don't hit it with your spur and it'll happen differently. Anyway, this was what, early 90s? He was way ahead of his time. Mike Mosier, Mike Carter, those, those guys, if they wanted to today, come back and give us more than what we ever had. If they wanted to. Did Mosier have a horse at the NSBA World? He did. That big sore and it was and good. It was just that much too forward because we're close. Just, just, it just that much. <laughs> <laughs> just, just that much. Come on, Mike. Oh, right. I thought it was pretty right? cute, all things considered. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the thing about the play. It hasn't. See more good, more good guys getting tired of fighting it. You you look at Keith Whistle. Keith Whistle was a he was a great showman. He'd be a great showman today. Well, yeah. And he never claimed to be a trainer. No, he'd be a good trainer. But you take Jody Gallion. If Jody Gallion wanted to today, he could come back and compete. But you got to have the want to. It's the well. I think as you get older, what becomes more important, and we'll get into this later, um, is money. When you're young, what difference does that make? What? <laughs> When you're young, it's okay to be broke and, and working really hard and winning everything. That's true. When you're 50, 60, and your body is failing mm-hmm. you, and you're not 25-year-old Shane Dowdy, mm-hmm. you start looking at things a little bit different. Because mm-hmm. even, especially women, I, I'm a little more sensitive to this because mm-hmm. women don't age like men. So I'm almost 40, and I probably have, the way that I do it, which is a lot harder than a lot of women do it, I, I probably have five, six years. I mean, I already tore a rotator cuff. Tough. What am right. I gonna do? Five, six years. We'll go to the boat more. Figure it out. <laughs> <I guess so. laughs> right. You know, I mean, I don't know, but as a man, you know, I think you guys have a decade longer than a woman physically than than mm-hmm. women do. You guys mm-hmm. just age. So if I'm thinking about dialing down between forty-five and fifty, and I don't mean buying super nice pro horses. I mean starting a whole bunch of young horses and physically wrestling them myself. It is wrestling. It is a wrestling match. And um, that's hard. So for a man, you have, let's say by the time you're 60, it's just things aren't where they used to be. Mm-hmm. And they leap in the air, and you're supposed to grab the broader rings out the saddle horn. Sorry. You grab the, you the saddle horn first. But Save yourself. This is, <laughs> the, I'm 50, so I'm asking myself, I, I would like to think it's your want to, not your have to. When you're younger and you're you're working for people and that you eat, sleep, and breathe it, you don't think about the future. You think about this week, next week. Their show. I think as you get older, it it all comes to an end. No matter who you are. No matter no matter who you are. Hey hey, you look at you look at the rodeo guys and you know especially look at the show guys. That, that Dale Livingston, Marty and Jerry Stanford, Mike Carter, that Lily, that Lily. But there, there's a guy that it's ridiculous. And today's guys, you say at the horse show, Doug Lodella, huh? You put him on a horse backwards and he'll outrun. Nobody it, knows his name anymore. To to me, the to me the guy that's survived it, where I'm sitting looking at it, is Gil Gay. I was just gonna say the same thing. I was waiting for you to say it and you know, that, from you. Now, how Gil Gaines survives it? He surrounds himself with with good employees. He's that guy'll work. He he still has the want to. And I think that's what he has more than than Mike and Mike Carter and Cleve. I mean, if Cleve wanted to today, if he if he wanted to come back, if he was calling and go, hey Shane, can we hook up? I'm thinking, I'm thinking about. I, I want to go on that tour show. Well, I pack my bags and go back there. Instant. 
He's he's lost them. In a bad way. He hasn't lost it. He's just moved on to bigger and he better just things. Moved on to things that make more money for less work. Yeah, yeah. more money transitions for, less work. for people. I mean, like right? for I mean, that's all it comes down to. I mean, at right. the end of the day, when you're younger and it's not physically hard for you, it's one thing. But later, you need to be able to make more money because now you're doing two things: you're surviving yeah. and you're putting money away for when you're real old. Yeah, he he was just too damn good for his own good. Take us to, we got off on a tangent there. Take us to uh, Myrtle Beach. The Popes. Jody, Jody Lee, your first wife, mm-hmm. and the Popes. So you met? Second wife. <laughs> I want you to take me to Jody Lee and Myrtle Beach. So you saw Jody Lee at the Powers. 97. Right, 97. So we stroll through 97 to 98. We go there to about summertime. So you dated from that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you, were you good to date? Were you... Was I good today? Were you a gentleman? Did oh, you he's real good at first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm good at first and bad at the end. <laughs> so, so to bridge this all together, I remember we're up at the Iowa Run. It's there in June sometime. You know, this is June 98. Um, I'm not in a real good frame of mind. I'm kind of wore out. I'm tired, really. Looking, looking back on it, I, I can say I was tired, more or less. Well, it sounds like you were burning the candle at both ends, so that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Looking back at it, I was, I was pretty tired during June. Go up to Iowa, and uh, I was showing the horse. It wouldn't, ba- it wouldn't back up. I remember I had people working for me, and it, it was all my fault. But when I realized <laughs> it wouldn't back up, I made the split. And back, you know, back then, there was bigger classes. Do you just pretend it backed up? Well, I didn't have to back up in the split. You got but, lucky there. Okay. But when I was sitting in the lineup, you know, kind of being a, kind of knowing where I've got to go, I backed up. I wouldn't back up, so I, I took my horse to the back behind the warm-up arena to, a, I thought was a very private spot. I was going to work on my backup. <laughs> what did it do? Just throw its head in the air and not back up? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So. You know, I was getting it the old one-two in the shoulders and pulling on its head, and it, it wasn't very pretty, but that's why I went to the back to get out of everybody's way. I remember hearing this voice telling me to quit. Stop. Oh, boy. And I looked down, and there's this man standing by this barn telling me to stop. He's he's going he's gonna to do me like I'm doing that horse. So I got my horse where I could back it up. I was confident I could back up. You're feeling good about your backup now. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I go back down there to go show my horse, and... On my way down there, there was three or four splits. On my way down there, this is this is my memory. It could change, but the guy was standing there at one of the barns and said, "Hey, you, I'm fixing to knock your head off." Like he was knocking that horse's head off. I stepped off my horse, and I'll never forget this. I said, "Okay," and then he started backing up into the barn. Like, Look, I'm not I'm not a tough guy, but you're not gonna walk up and tell me you're gonna you're hit me in the face. Yeah, okay, game on. I was in a bad mood. Okay. Well, obviously, you're trying to teach this horse to back up, so. Yeah, I'm mad at everybody. <laughs> I'm going to have to show this horse a wall back. So I walk in the barn. I'll never forget. He, he stood there and said, put your dukes up. And I pretend like I was a karate kid. Like, which one can hit? <laughs> and I, <laughs> it is kind no. of funny. Now. But I, I, I hit the guy, and then I went and got, I got back on my horse. And I went up there, and I showed. And I remember showing up there, and there were security guards. and Oh, shoot. All kinds of people, so. Did you win the class? I no, guess? I was second or third. I think Cleve beat me, Cleve. <laughs> Dang it, Cleve. Long so, story short, I got suspended. Well, who'd you hit? Well, I hit the president of the Pig Association. <laughs> 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 it's funny now, but it wasn't then. But... You had no idea who it was? 
No, I had no idea who it was. I, I just knew some guy was sitting there telling me he's fixed to do me like he did, like I was doing on a horse. Why did he feel so strongly about how you were horse training this thing? Was it? You know, I never asked him, even even to this day. And oh. let's be honest, too. The you could, in my opinion, I realize saying this, I'm a generation behind you. Horses are significantly better today, mm-hmm. and we had to be significantly harder on them then. Oh no. I mean, and, and I don't say that because we were meaner or because we're asking them for more or less. You guys, We can debate that all of it. You just think it's physically, it was physically harder for them. I know that my dad and Carl Yamber were buying hunting horses off the track. And the Western Pleasure Horses were cowbred horses, because every quarter horse was, that we were picking the best-legged ones and making them good-legged. Remember that Miss Shirley Bars was a halter horse. And I'm, in, I'm behind a barn school of horses horse on not as walk, try to lope, but Backing, backing up. up. And so I got walk, trot, and lope. I mean, well, my pea brain back to him. If I can walk, trot, and lope you, you, you can, can back. back. And he's going to sling. No, dog, that ain't, that ain't working. That's not it. That's not what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to back up at least two steps. At least. <laughs> at least. Or else. Or else. And he was there for the or else. He was there for the or else. Hindsight, if I had to do it over again, I would stick right in the warm-up arena and did it right there. Instead of trying to leave. Instead of trying to leave. Yeah, because you got a different set of people. But well, people that might understand what the hell's going on. Why right. did the pig farmer care? Why was he there? Was it a fair? You know, I didn't ask. It was, it, fair. It, it was the Iowa Fair, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the it was the uh, Iowa Run. Iowa Run. That's where they had the pig festival. <laughs> like everybody from the, the whole world comes there. <laughs> like my dumb ass didn't know that. <laughs> I just have some guys sitting there like, I'm gonna knock your block off for how you did. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So then you ended up in Myrtle Beach. Yeah, well, well I how long it, was your sit down for that one? Hey, look, I did one offense with AQHA. One offense. That's it. One, yes. I had a letter of thank you when I worked for Cleve for making helping them make all these videos because I was paid by Cleve. But we're gonna go up here. We're gonna do all these Western pleasure videos. We showed our horses. Thank you very much. Get this letter. If there's anything we could ever do for you. <laughs> Matter of fact, what, I yeah, you're laughing. You can laugh. This is how this, this is how this shit works. A couple of years later, I'm suspended. I send them a letter. You can help me out. You like have to easy on me. My favor now. You actually did that. Wait, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. What are, you, what are you supposed to do? All of these instructional videos hey, come for a kid. Feed. You're sitting. You got this envelope, and like, if we can ever do anything to help you, saying but just let us know. You can help me here. That's it, my land. They're like, no dice, boy. Didn't work, huh? Us horsemen like conduct. I got my first offense. I got sent out for one year. What? Punching somebody? Thank you. For punching the pig farmer that baited you into it? Yes, for one year. Oh, they must have had their eyes on you for a while then. You must have had their eyes on you. I mean, that, that year I was. One to twos, the senior, second and junior. You were riding all night with the lights on, raising a lot of eyebrows. I didn't think so. I just pumped kid from Burles and mm-hmm. survived. Okay? All right, all right. But yeah, I did hit the guy. And so you end <laughs> up in, I just. <laughs> I end up for a year off. So this man named Harry Bell calls me. He's from Cypress, Texas. said, hey, I want to hire you to come down and ride. I said, do you realize I'm suspended? He goes, I realize that. I went down there to him. Cyprus, and that, that's where I got hooked up with uh, Steve and Andrew Archer. That's probably 45 minutes from them. And that's, Steve Archer's a badass. Yeah, and that's where, you know, Red Horses for Katie Green, Katie Good, 
Katie Forrest, and that whole crew. And that's that's kind of how that... Let's just stop right here because we did a great transition, but I want you to go back here and I want you to name some horses that you had years leading up to that period of time in your life. You know? Okay, so so here we are. We're, I had to leave Cleves, okay? Because so, Cleve fired you. Yeah, pretty much. I was, <laughs> I was not a good employee. Okay. Once more. Once more. So there was a... A man named Wayne Bell. I went to his place. Western Holler guy. Western Holler. You know, he's since my, I don't know, I guess that's seven or eight. All I can remember is Wayne Bell's always been involved in my horse horse riding life. Red horses for his daughters, him. So I got to move down to his place, which is right down the road from Cleves, which kept me from being out on the street. Through there, in that time period, I met Autumn Roy Conley. And I had a couple of horses for them. And I ended up buying a horse named Zippo Air. And this is a good story. She's been a great roommate. Great. Yeah. She she was a really good horse. I bought her from Steve Archer. Cool story, yeah. She, she was in training with Steve Archer. But I was off there in Biloxi, Mississippi, gambling. I won $15,000 on a $100 slot machine. Oh, no. Tunica? No, I was in Biloxi, Mississippi. Okay. And her nickname was Biloxi. Her registered name was Zippo Air. Too perfect. No yeah. kidding. No kidding. You named your blessing. Yes. <laughs> well. Yeah, I do. We was just down there messing around, visiting with Rawhide, and I went to Biloxi, and I put $200 on a $100 slot machine. I'm getting like, the visual. Yeah, it paid like 17000 By the time I paid my taxes, I had enough money to so buy this. So you went this. down to the casino, and you met your buddy Rawhide. Well, no. And you went crazy all night, and you ended up winning 15000 and you bought this horse. Pretty much. I, I that, totally am filling in the cause, blanks cause, here. Yeah, cause, that sounds like an amazing night for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, for what it's worth, it was like hearing a two-packer go. But on the way back, I remember that there was a Zippo mare that was beautiful, good lady that Steve Archer and them would sell. So I ended up buying her. Makes sense. Yeah. And really and truly, that was buying that horse. I can remember putting her in the inline trailer when I was there at Wayne Bell's. Like, well, we're talking I had three or four horses in training. Very much. Not very much. Okay. I'm like, and back then, what was that? 900 a month? 800 a month? 750? 600. Just to say, I can remember I was paying, paying Wayne Bell by, you know, by the stall, and he'd come out there one day, and I had I had a six-stall barn, and I had six horses tied in a round pen. And he just, <laughs> he started saying, you got to come in here to the office, and we started laughing. Said, okay, we're going to start charging you by the horse, not by the stall, because my mind worked with Got six stalls. I can tie some of them up. Six side. can live in it in the morning. Six can live in it at the night. <laughs> so yeah, he was, it, Wayne was a very forgiving guy. But Zippo Aaron, we put her in the trailer and take off for a week because she didn't show good. Well, you know, after two months, you show five times a week, and you go to the next circuit. You take off for three weeks. You come back. You've shown fifteen times, and your horse is showing. Yeah, no matter what horse it is. No matter what horse it is. If you choose to be relentless enough, yes. it will show. Yes, it will show. So, she was a great-legged horse, and, and she was good. We just had to be relentless on how long was, you're going to do this. Some crap. Yeah, and I would say that's that's the first horse that I had on my own that when I left Cleves that literally invested in myself. That's a good investment, obviously. Who did you sell her to? Autumn Conley. Autumn Conley had her for six, eight months. We sold her to Jerry Kimmel. That guy went on to a lot. Really? Yes. That's a good story. That's a good story. Zippo Aaron, the mother to Ella Coolbay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's more, but and yes. what, You know, and Cleve and Jerry did good with her. 
Made a real good liquor. So then you had Shamai Zipper. Yeah, Shamai Zipper's in 97. I rode that one for Carly and Jason. So that horse was funny because that's a Michigan horse, and I yeah. show against it every single weekend all the time. It was a badass horse. It was Jack Bar. Mm-hmm. And then Zippo you had Jack. two Jack Bars. You had Jack's are lucky too. That same year. Yeah. For Kathleen. Mm-hmm. I love Shamai Zipper's name. Yeah. I, I just love that name. He was big. He had to be, what, 16-1? Oh, yeah. Yeah, two white big. feet up front. That big old white face could mm-hmm. crack. Mm-hmm. He was old school Jack Bar. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also in 97, you had one red hat zip. Isn't that Katie Green's horse? Yes, she ended up with him. You had her. You had him before her, though. Yeah, in 96, I was breaking horses out at, for Cleve at Wayne Bell's. And one red hot zip was the secretary for Patty and Freddie Hamlin. And I remember these two, these two horses come in, and one's a beautiful cherry red sorrel filly. And I can't quite remember how she's bred. And then there was this chestnut gilding with one white foot. And Cleve Carl said, you know, one you really want to look at the hardest is the pretty sorrel filly. That's Patty and Freddie's. We bump them around a little bit, and I called Cleve. I said, Cleve, I said, the, the pretty filly's good. I said, but this this chestnut gilding, I just think he's the shit. And Cleve goes, Put him in the snaffle and get his head down and call me back. Well, Cleve lives seven miles down the road. I call him five and I said, Cleve, I said, you need to come to look at this colt. He said, I thought I told you to put his head down in the snaffle. I said, it is. He goes, we talked last week. I said, I know. You need to come look at this, this colt. And one red out zip was probably the most, how to describe it, most trainable horse that didn't need to be trained. He was that good of a horse. I remember... Asked Jerry Stanford to come down and help the girl that was working for me to drive the two-year-olds and all that, you know, get them started. And back then, I didn't think all that drive and all that mattered. You just hop on, jerk their head down, spur them around. Mm-hmm. And Jerry would walk and stop and do all this stuff that just looked like this hocus-pocus, waste-my-time stuff. He sat there for two weeks. He goes, let, you let me work this one how I want two weeks. One or zip. One or zip with Jerry Stanford. That's fine, you know. He was older than me. He didn't ask me. He told me. So we went through our work day, and I just like I didn't pay attention to Jerry and wonder how zip. But I watched around the corner of my eye. This horse would stand, and you know, Jerry'd go out there and teach him the ground tie, and he'd stand there for 30, 45 minutes, and Jerry'd be off over at the fence, smoking a cigarette, talking to me, and this horse standing in the arena, not not move. He goes, okay, he's ready for you to ride. And I forget, I put the. Side pull on him. I said, can I put the tie down on him? He goes, you put anything on him, you think your little ass can ride. Put the tie down on him. And he, when he loped off, he loped off the same day, same way the first day as he did the last day. It was a great horse. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I really don't think you could tear that horse up. Mm-hmm. Oh, chic. Zippo Chic. <laughs> Zippo Chic was a fun horse. He's beautiful. Kid. I remember that. Yeah, he was good. He was always the best if he reared up before you went in. <laughs> it was scary, but if he reared up, and Kim was a good guy to ride for, he, you know, he never messed with you, just whatever she needed. Man, I love his babies, but I struggled with them. A little hard headed. <laughs> <laughs> they had a little bit of gas to them. They got a little bit of the rear. I remember that. There was a horse thing. Was it Dandy Chic? My dad bought Mike Massey had it. Powers, and he won everyone. Limited threes. At the time, that was Miss Still Big Mouth. It was mm-hmm. huge then. Buys that horse and brings it home, and well, we were oil and water. <laughs> that was a little rough. I mean, that horse—if you kicked him too hard, you'd end up 
My dad had these bushes along the arena where my grandpa's chickens would run. So we used to say we'd end up with the chickens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or if you loped by the bushes where the chickens were and the chicken ran out, you get chickens. Hey, look, I just put the same shit on them that we do today, right? You Sure. Bear down. Yeah. You, you bear down. I can remember being at the Congress and we'd be in that little warm-up deal, everybody's shooting in the pen, and I'd just double-check myself one time. Got some breaks, good to go. <laughs> and you'd touch him wrong, and this thing would wear straight up in the air. Back then, I was, I don't know if I was the only one pressing on that hard with my feet, but, you know, I know I was you the only one. You might have been. I know I was the only one in the warm-up, like, hey, look, you give me that hip, give me that face, give me that hip, give me And she would rear up, never have he'd wear up. Rear up, I'd have a good run. And with nothing on him, but I was all over him. I wanted to go around to the Ginger Pleasure by 100 points. Seriously? That was a great one. It was great in the finals. Well, Steve Eggman cut me off on <laughs> That's a whole different story right there. That's when me and Robbie become friends. Yeah. yeah I don't I don't remember any title I had on Cheek. I got a lot of points. You know, like third, fourth. He would get he'd get funky to the right. He'd jog in, he was pretty. Very pretty. Crack behind. I remember he was like almost disjointed. Yeah, disjointed. They so hard. Yeah, it's like, man, you gotta Give up your ass in and give me some yeah. front end. And that mm -hmm. horse probably, looking back on it, that horse probably taught me, like, you can crack as hard as you want behind, but if it don't somewhat match up up front. Yeah. You're cooked. You're, you're done. That was also in the 90s when it was kind of okay to be giant behind and step you up front. Remember, yes. that was the thing. That mm -hmm. was what they did. So More so than today. Uh, if you look at the horses they look using today in the night, it's the same. It's like if you can be 70 behind, 80 uh, behind, 20 or 30 up front, yeah, I hate you'll, that. You'll do good. It annoys me. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. I'm really big on matching, and by the way, yeah. so are you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sheet drove me crazy. Okay, yeah. so let's get back to Myrtle Beach. No, let's leave Myrtle Beach. <laughs> I want to talk about the fact that Shane Folk is like family to me, like more than family, and he always talks fondly about his year, well, his year <laughs> when you were there, and his dad, and so, so you... Worked at a golf course for a year? Yes. You decided you were, you, you're off. He's probably a little burnt out, huh? You were trying to save your marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back on it, it was the best time I ever had. I worked for a landscaping guy. Mm-hmm. And I worked for a golf course company. And you know, I was there about a year or so, and I was like, okay, number one, I'm breaking my promise to my mother you know, on what I would do. If I quit school, you'll never, you know, don't ever quit with if you're going to quit school to ride horses, don't ever quit riding horses. So that was guilt on you. Yeah, that was, that was guilt. And, hey, look, I thought I was... When you when you win the Congress and World Show and you do all that and you're still broke, you're thinking, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, you're at the top of the mountain. That's all there is. Yeah, and you still don't have enough money to rub together and get anything. Trophies are worth nothing at the pawn shop. Yeah, I have a lot of them. I found out the hard way. I've always, <laughs> I always heard that you couldn't take your, your gold globe to win Dixie, and they are so true. You don't even want to take them to the pawn shop. Mm -mm. So, but in in that period there, I worked the golf course, did some irrigation, and then I decided I wanted to get back into horses. Well, because you missed it, or because of your mom, or both? Because I missed it. I remember going out to Johnny Pope's, going, "Hey, look, do you need any help?" He goes, "Well, I don't know." I said, "Well, you know, I'll clean. I'll just clean stalls. I'll come in after the golf course. You started the golf course." Five o'clock in the morning. Number one, that was very hard for me to do. Wake up five in the morning every morning. That was extremely hard. 
I just wanted to go by and just clean some stalls. Hashtag honesty. Hashtag honesty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will hit snooze unless I think I need to be yeah. The 10 minutes late thing coming yeah. back to bite you in the So, you know, I, I'll never forget that. I go up to Johnny Pope's and I tell him, hello, my name is Shane. And he was really good. He acted like he didn't know me. He said, okay, nice to meet you. And I said, can I come out and clean stalls? I'll never forget. He sat down. He goes, Shane, you need to come over here. Let's, let's sit down. <laughs> I come over and sit down. He goes, you can come out here, but I don't want to come out here to clean stalls. You can come out here and do whatever you want to do, clean stalls or whatever. He goes, you want to keep horses here, you can keep horses, but I want you to help my son. I said, okay, I'll help your son. So that, that's how I met Shane. Shane. Yeah. I remember telling Johnny, I had to pull my hair out. Johnny, how can I help him ride horses when he wants to go duck hunt? I said, he don't want to come out here and ride. But he oh, my God. If my dad listens to this, he's going to die. He's going to want to go. He's sitting out in that. I said, what's duck hunting? Johnny goes, I said, what do they sit on the shore? I didn't know what duck hunting was. He goes, well, no, Shane. They get this boat. And they go out and handle it. I said, he's in the cold-ass water. He goes, yeah. Johnny, this ain't going to work. Your boy's got to quit duck hunting. We got to duck hunt or ride. We can't do both. That was a real pain in the ass back then. So let me ask you a personal question. Was this one of your most sober times? You worked at the golf course and you were sort of away from it and you were Johnny Popes? No, it was mine. <laughs> no. no. The answer is no. No, I did more drugs than doing the, doing the golf course and the irrigation than I ever did. Is it because you had to be up at five and it was better to not go to sleep or what? Yes. Yes. Okay. It was supposed to, all, all honesty, we can, well, we can laugh at it because it lived past it, but it was quite honest. insane. No, to be honest, it's supposed to be the most sober time, but it, it wasn't. Was, it was not. And you're still married to Jody Lee at this point? Mm-hmm. Oh, did she know you went over to Pope's and were trying to get back in the horses? Mm-hmm. That went over well or no? Over, yeah, it went over. She, hey, look, her family come from the horses. They were good. As yeah. far as I know, they were good. Must not have been too good. Well, We're good-ish. not together now. <laughs> good-ish. 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 That's when, you know, Kurt Sanders could come out. He would hang out a lot in Myrtle Beach. He and Shane are still close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kurt, Kurt's good. Shane and Kurt, we'd spend a lot of time together. How did you leave Myrtle Beach? Why did you leave? I left, I left Myrtle Beach because I never thought in South Carolina I could have winning horses. Look, the most successful, the the winners that come out of South Carolina, Summerton, is Jay and Christy Starnes. Before then, they didn't, I mean, I, my mindset was you had to be in Texas to be a winner. Okay. So that was like in the back of your head. In, in the back of my head. You know, as you live, you see that's different. At the time, I thought, okay, I had to be in Texas to get horses. I need to be around Cleve to get horses. I need to be around Schroeders to get horses. I need to be around a, a hub that I could get horses. I think that's logical, actually. And when I decided to get back into horses, I never really left them. When I when I decided I wanted to go back to them, I didn't care if I danced with the devil in the show horse. It, it just did not matter. It's all that mattered to you again. Mm-hmm. How old were you at this point in time when you were married to Jody? In the transition period? Mm-hmm. See, I've been... I was born in 70, so what, 95, been 20, been what, 25, 30, I'm in my 30s, yeah. So when you moved back to Texas, did she go with you? Yeah, yeah. Went back to, first place I went back to was Steve and Andrew Archer, stayed there for six, eight months to a year. We decided I wanted to live in Weatherford, Texas, thought it was far enough away from Pilot Point to be out of the hub, hub, law, not the Who, hub. Like, what's the word? 
Hoobla. Hoobla. <laughs> there you go. I want to be on the hoobla, but I want to dip my toes in. I'm a safe in. distance and yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I was And it's actually Barnard Weatherford, Texas. So Weatherford was a good fit. I still like Weatherford to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, moved back there. Go to, that's when I met Mike Hirschberger. I rode a horse for him. And I think I was third in the Rikers when it was the third in Iowa. I can't remember the horse's name. I was second or third. And then we roll around the two-year-old year. And then we, I end up, I can't, I get kind of lost in there. It, it's, I have to sit and think harder. I want to say in 03, we went to the NSBA World Show and I seen Stanley Ryan. You know, I've known him a long time, got a lot of respect for him. He said, hey Shane, I got a horse you might like. And the horse I watched was CTC Imagination. What's something big on him? Yeah, I want something pretty big on him. What'd you win on it? That's the Junior Pleasure the World Show. Dude. Oh, well that's okay, that's big. Yeah, yeah his four-year-old year. But his two-year-old, we, we, we bought him. We go to the World Show in 03. He's two, I want to say in 03. And I was sixth on him there. This Stanley, he loved those circuits. Uh-huh. He sure did. I did. I wanted to buy a CT, and I asked Stanley to give me first ride of refusal. And I remember there's three or four people in line. Mike Hershberger comes up once to go have dinner. Yeah, and we went and had lunch. He, he Mike Hershberger, come up with this plan. We bought him. It was going to be Mike's. I love Mike. He's the nicest. Yeah, he, but Mike's a go getter. He's yep. he, He's he's into it. And what I like about Mike is everything. You know, he, he's quick. He's not going to sit and wait. He's going to be in the front. And Mike figured out a way so we can get get CT. And it, you know, it was it was a great deal. With I have no I have no hesitation to tell you if Mike Hirschberger wasn't around my stalls, we wouldn't have had CT. I wanted CT. I did not have the money. And within two or three days, Stanley gave me that much that much time. He come up with the way, and we had CT. So we go to the World Show with six. And went, oh damn. I come out of the world show being sixth place, and I remember Jody was upset, and Mike, he didn't, he didn't seem too upset, but I told Jody when he come out, and I said, hey, look, they ain't going to beat this horse again. They're not going to beat him. They just beat him, she said. I, I realized they just beat him, but they're not going to beat Jody, him. Jody, your wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and she was mad because they beat him. Don't, don't say a word. Just get a car, leave. I said, they're not going to beat this horse no more. You had a feeling? I had a feeling when I showed him there, too. It, I don't know how to describe it. You just knew? Yeah. yeah. Hey, give me give me six today, I'll beat your ass next year. You just need a little more time? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he did. In that time, we had Lin- I met Linda Swenson. I had her horse. This is a good story. I'm just looking at this here. Your website mentions <laughs> that you coached the select world champion, which was Linda on Zizzle, mm-hmm. and the reserve world champion was Mike on CTC. Yeah, they, they tied to win. You know, the, the, the old story is that Linda beat Mike on the tiebreak because she bought a dog from Orrin Barnes, but she really didn't buy the dog. Wait a minute, what? What? <laughs> Orrin Barnes is the tiebreaker judge, and he picked Linda over Mike. So, Linda, this is how quick she was. She's sitting there in the lineup. She tells Mike, she goes, you didn't buy the puppy? Mike goes, what are you talking about? She goes, Orrin Barnes sells puppies. Bought a puppy. <laughs> I mean, that, that was a mean joke. That's so funny. That's hilarious. That, I mean, that's pretty good. That's, that's a mean, select pleasure? That's a Judges? Yeah. They tied to win. Oh, and then she won the tie? Because she, she bought, she bought a puppy? <laughs> yes! She never bought a puppy. She came out and goes, you tell Mike I bought the puppy. I said, what? Well, it took my country ass a little while to figure out, oh, Orrin sells puppies. We didn't buy no 
I mean, Orin's not that away. She was, she was fucking with him. She was fucking with him. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I love it. Yeah. Cool to coach the champion and reserve champion. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was fun. When when Zizzle was two, she won she won the two year olds with uh, Chris Jones and Greg Wheat. And then there was a time I don't know what, what that was happened. in Roberts. Yes, yes. Yep. I don't know what happened with her. By the time I got her, she was a senior horse. Yeah, and I don't know what I don't know what happened with her. All I knew was the mare was a great show mare. She'd already won. It, good guys have had her, and she did all. But I remember going to Congress that in two thousand three, and I, I walk in. She, Get in that Celeste and that little pin, and all she does is pin her ears and swish her tail. She mad. She mad. She real mad. So we, needless to say, I didn't make it out of the first first go of the maturity. So I remember going back and, and taking scotch tape and taping her ears back. She wanted to pin them. I can remember taping her ears back with scotch tape. Yeah, with scotch tape and putting her. Stop it. What? <laughs> I'm going to tape her ears down so long, all she wants to do yeah. is move forward. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you wrap it around her neck? Yes. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> do you need to edit this? No. no but so this is Shane Dowdy. Yeah, all, all she did was pin her ears, and I'm like, okay, I don't ahead. come from the school like how to fix it. It's like, you know, if they want to do it, let them do it. So I thought, boy, I was, I was embarrassed, too. I come out of there, and she's... Pinning her ears, snaking her head, swishing her tail for him. She's her. mad. She's mad. I haven't even touched her with my spurs. And I know how to use my feet, okay? It's like, okay, you got it. So I taped her ears back and I tied her tail up. This is what I did. And so the whole Congress was a mess. I mean, it was just a glorified mess. In <laughs> so we, we go to the world show and this is 03 and I'm trying to get old Linda because now I've done lunged her, all this stuff, and she's limping. But she's not pinning her ears no more. <laughs> what are you like? Because you shamed her to the point where she put her ears up, but she's gonna her. limp anyway. Yeah, but, so I got her ears up and I got a leg dragging. I can't get a hold of Linda, so I walk in there and I, you know, we're going to the center and she's a limping. They put us on the rail. Her ears are up, but she's limping. They excuse us, and I see Linda Swenson at the back gate. I remember to Linda. I'm, I don't know what to say. I tried calling you because I knew she was limping. She goes, well, I, I don't, I'm not good at carrying my phone. She goes, she just, she just, I just don't know what to do. I think I want to get rid of her. So I told Linda, I said, well, listen, Linda, I, I like this horse. Listen, Linda. Linda. Yeah. And this is all while we're walking back to Bar 4. You know, we got our, we're dragging our tails because they're running the finals. And I said, you know, look, there's a part of me that likes this horse. She goes, well, I don't, I don't know if I even want her. I think I just sell up 25000 well, Linda, if you'll sell it for $25,000, i will buy her today, but you're going to have to wait for your money till I sell her. She goes, okay, I'll sell her to you for $25,000. I said, and the next thing I have to tell you is, you're going to be really, really mad at me in a few months. I sell her, because she's going to make a show horse, and you're going to be really mad at me. I'm probably going to make $75,000, and I'm going to lose a customer. I'd rather you hang with me, hang with the mayor, and give us a while. She sat back to the stalls. We made us a drink. She thought about it. She goes, okay, I'll stick with you a while. Well, in 2004, she won the Spike World. Awesome story. That's really cool. Yeah. How'd you fix her? A scotch tape and a rope. Sco- scotch tape? A tire tail up. A tire tail up with rope. <laughs> we just went to a lot of horse shows. Went to a lot of horse shows. And, and just showed and lunged, showed and lunged. Yeah. But you knew you could fix her. You hope so. 
Yeah, I'm gonna say Mon- yeah. I knew it could. I knew it could. Yeah. Don't you think that um I mean I realize I'm saying this to what our listeners consider is like a person who's half horse, but don't you <laughs> horse ass. <laughs> don't you think that you just know? And somebody says, How do you know? I'm gonna tell you that I don't know. I just know. I think you have instincts, and, and to me, is like Cleve always said, there's too much brotherhood in the show. I used to stay by myself a lot more. You know, I wouldn't get people's a, approval. You know, Zizzlehoff's impulse, he never won an Open World Championship, but she's a great horse, and she ended up being a good producer. But her and Linda, her and Linda, when they showed, when, when they won the Select World, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not telling you they won, because, I mean, they, they won. I mean, they they were really good. Mary never looked as good for anybody else as she did Linda. I mean, the following year, Cleve showed her at the World Show. Hey, look, he's a good trainer. He's as good a jockey as you'd ever want. You can't put no more name on a horse. And she ended up like sixth. We were six on her, too. Yeah. Shock Top's but, a little bit like that. He loves her. I'll get down on him, or so will Tim, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But it, it never, mm-hmm. he likes you. He's softer for mm-hmm. you. You don't mess with him as much. I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, sometimes it's just like that. Yeah, and that's what kind of mare she was. This is the same year that you had. We talking Jeannie. She was just okay. Yeah, she just kind of. She's she just she, she, she just a real pretty babe. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> she was a good horse. I can't describe what it was like for her to lope, but I, I do know this. I mean, there was a there was a guy that started her named Doug Pratt. No, that guy. Amen. And there was another guy that had a lot to do with her name, Brett Parrish. Mm-hmm. And if those two dudes wouldn't have been involved with that horse, no, I could have won. Those two guys, and if you would have put me in front of those two guys, her tracker wouldn't be the same as what it is at the end. The only reason I did good on her is because Brett spent you know, so much methodical time. I mean, they put so much methodical. I, I, could go, I could go out there at three in the morning and be mad and just, you know, what are you doing? You know, and it was nothing but, hey, look, just get your ass over here. Get over here. She had so much foundation on her that when we washed her tail and lunged her, and I put my hand out, she just floated. Yeah. And Joetta won the amateur. Yeah, Joetta won the amateur. Hey, look. This was the same year that you won on uh, Schroeder's uh, The Board of mm-hmm. Blazing Horse. Mm-hmm. Lucky. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this whole year, this is... 2004. You had um, CTC Imagination, Zizzle's Hot Impulse, Sweet Talking Genie, and a two-year-old stud named Born to Blazing, one by Schroeders. Tell me about that. Well, this this is the story on Lucky. Me and Del Liverson become close, and he was close with Robbie and Joan. Okay, and it's no secret there, you know, 97, 98, that we wanted to kill Shane. So This is before that, though. Before that. Why did he want to kill you? Okay. <laughs> Carry on. So it was kind of like a known deal. And so me and Dale were buddies, and he knew Robbie and Jones. So kind of got got that at a, what would you call it? A def, diffused it. It was a buffer. And, he buffed yeah, it Yeah, he, he buffed it. And that's when they had one of their first Schroeder Ranch sale. So this is August. It's around the youth world. And that's when they had their dispersal sale. And yep. people. So I go up there to, I go up there to help them. With the sale, and it was because Dale diffused the situation. Dale diffused the situation. Things are good between you and Robbie at this time, or good enough ish. Good, good enough ish. And <laughs> so, you know, it's 
youth world time and they're having to sell. And I, I go up there and help them. I ride some. And then they was riding Barbie blazing through the ring to sell the embryo of the full sibling. Out of Bornlope and, and yes. by Blaze. Blaze. And so I was up there helping them and they, and Robbie, Robbie trained him. Robbie did everything on Barnaby Blaze, and I have. Great horseman. He's a great horseman, and I really can't take any horse training credit or anything like that for Barnaby Blaze, and just showed him. And the My first favorite I, thing was when you won, you held the trophy, yes. and then you changed seats. Yes. That was Robbie. And the really? two year old? Yeah, the world show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> at, yeah. The, at the sale, <laughs> when, when it comes time, and you know, my sales go, and they all built it up. And Joan was great at promoting, and Robbie was great at riding horses. So I'll never forget when the sale time come. Robbie goes, I got closer. Robbie goes, okay, I want you to ride him. I said, all right. And that I'd never been on. I'd never been on Lucky. So we're at the back, and they're like three horses away, selling them, and it's going fast. And we had to go in, and they had a, I guess, a forty by forty little area that you rode these horses in. Robbie goes, okay, I want you to ride him. I said, all right. So I got my shirt on, and they rode the horses in the ring. And I hop on him. And Robbie goes, when you go in there, he goes, just slope around and stop and turning. He goes, I'll tell you everything to do. I said, okay. And so I hop on the horse, and Robbie goes, just lope him in the ring. And they, they called the number out. They said on the embryo, and I loped him in the ring, and he was was phenomenal. Awesome. He, he was phenomenal. He was two at this time before yeah. the world show. Yeah, he was two at this time before the world show. You know, so I just basically followed followed the orders that I could catch half of them between the auctioneer. All and, the sound. And the sound and Robbie. You got with that horse, obviously. Yeah, he was he was a good horse. He, he was a real good horse. You know, the thing about riding horses behind Robbie is they're, they're so light that if you think it, they'll do it. You that know, good, huh? He yeah, taught me so much that way. Yeah. He, he he is he is that good, and then you know going into it, I, I knew Robbie was that good. He told me just put your hands down, go in there and lope him, and just lay the rein on his neck if you want to turn, and ended up getting along with the horse. But really and truly, anybody can get along with the horse. You just yeah. happen to be lucky enough to get asked. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The biggest problem I had with Lucky was just figuring out what track you want to show him in. It was really that simple, and you know like. Today's pledge horse people are like, well, you know, you don't ride them out of your feet or you don't do that. That horse lot had a nine time nine kinds of speed control out of your legs. You know, the the spur stop and all this, it's been around so long, but we didn't do that. But he still had But he, he still had feel in his legs. It was a really weird deal. It's it's yeah, I don't know. You couldn't to, stop your feet and stop them. But, but you could close your top of your calf and grip them right. and they'd square up under your leg under your right. uh, under you. And it was that's exactly right. Right? That's exactly right. Like you just kind of do this thing and mm -hmm. they would like like regroup their whole body and mm -hmm. in like an accordion nose mm -hmm. to tail underneath you and mm -hmm. they would regroup. Right. I still do that. With right. Horses. But they didn't have to stop with your spurs. You could take your feet off to stop. But when you were loping, mm -hmm. you could you could grip <laughs> your whole upper leg mm -hmm. and they wouldn't really slow down. They would regroup and they were such nice horses they ended up slowing down. Mm-hmm. Right? I know that sounds right. crazy. Yeah, to, to this day, like, Robbie used to get, he he would laugh, because after I rode him, me and, me and Robbie become good friends. I, I consider him a good friend. So you like, think Lucky is the one that really turned it? Or, oh, sure, sure. Like, Dale did a little bit of the work, and then Lucky right. went the rest of the way. Right, right. And, you know, 
Joan was a Joan's a great promoter. She knows a good horse. She does all that. And Robbie can, you know, he he can ride. When I when I was, Robbie Blazing led me into a couple of years later. I get a divorce from Jody. End up getting an opportunity to go to Robbie and Jones to hang out. That that was a great time. I mean, you spent a lot of time there, Katie. Jones. Yep, that's when I um, yeah. met you. At first, you were really mean to me. Now it's, it's fine. Yeah. At the time, you were a dick to me, but that's fine. I right. understand boys don't like girls, right. especially Texas Cowboys. Yeah, It's still touch and go for most, but I've worn <laughs> Shane down. <laughs> you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of truth to that, but hindsight, looking back on it, I had a great time when I was there. I read a, you know, I... I had a lot of success. I remember people coming in wanting to look at horses, and Robbie would say, well, we only ride this one on, you know, what, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Too bad you're here on Tuesday. Why? No, you but, don't understand. It was wild. Yeah, but, you know, when you... When Is you, it like anything goes? I started hanging out around there before my divorce. Mm -hmm. Yours, you were just split, but you weren't mm -hmm. done. And I was miserable and not split yet. But it was on the way. Yeah, and what was the what was the bay horse that you won the Rockers? The Sharam Hot Horse. Yeah. Yep. And so the funny thing about this is a cool story. So I go down there with Dwayne, my ex husband, and the cool thing about Schroeders are they have this brown pen, and they always sell yearlings. Blue Sky. Robbie Schroeder always said that sells better than Blue Sky. Mm -hmm. So um, we go down there, and he had Abel, mm -hmm. the cool Mexican, worked mm -hmm. for them. He was his family. I think he was a great guy, and Abel had the boys that he would boss around and they would bring out. <laughs> and Joan pretty much left everything a stud then. It was mm -hmm. a thing for her, so. Oh, well, most cow horse rainer people do. I mean, they yep. just take colts. So we would stand at the round pen and they'd bring in all these horses and you'd be riding in the cupboard over there a lot during those times. And um, brought out Sharamot and I fell down over him. And nobody else liked him that much. I don't even, nobody, you, Joan, Robbie, like, meh. Now, I know I'm not saying this to be smarter. I'm saying this leading into a story. I was obsessed with that horse. We also liked the horse that you owned. It was a sorrel horse. Mm -hmm. And it had four white legs and a big white face and a white mane tail. It was beautiful. And his name was Chrome something or other. I don't remember. Is it on this list? No. <laughs> never, no. no. He never made <laughs> no. the list. Never made the list. Okay. So I remember that uh, Dwayne and I left and went home. And sort of like you in the Mike Hersberger deal. Found a customer to buy them. Like, I was, like, I have to have a pay horse. I don't know why. I still, to this day, I'm not only even that aggressive about buying horses. Was it Roma? And then I'd be in Roma Thompson, and we talked her into buying it. And so Dwayne loved driving to Texas. I think he still does. And he went back down to Schroeder's by himself to buy that horse. And when he was there, he ended up liking your horse more. Mm -hmm. Spencer was our vet. So we called Brett Spencer out to, um, and Dwayne called me and said, I like the chrome horse more. We're going to buy that horse. So what I'm going to do, I'm at his mercy. I'm like, all right. Thank God you didn't. And so um, Brett Spencer came out and vetted him. And he flunked the bet. And so Dwayne called me. He was all devastated. And I was like, everything's fine. Buy the bay horse. While Brett was there, he ended up vetting that horse too. And boom, that ended up being sure I'm not. And then he brought that horse home. And then we almost bought chrome. And um, lucky, sure I'm hot. Now what? Lucky, sure I'm hot. I was, divorced. I, I was going through the divorce when I was at Schroeder's. Oh. And see, the personal life has a big hold on me. So that's where that's where Robbie and Joan were really like saving grace because all I had to do was wake up, go out, ride horses, people come through, we sold them. And, and distraction. Distraction. I, I had a blast. I had a blast there. You know, R Robbie was extremely talented at breaking the horses and training them. 
he didn't he didn't like showing and to me to to this day that's that's something I wish that the, the guys today in the pleasure could see was how good that dude was. It's different when when they they bring the yearlings up out of the pasture that mm -hmm. hadn't had nothing done and we, we put saddles on them and that's like that's like when Rusty and Katie got Palomino mare. You know they 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 bought one with Stanley and they come back and ask Chris, hey where's where's the Palomino because the Palomino was the shit. The one that Keith and Rusty partnered on, Yenisaurus. Mm -hmm. Right, but the first one they started off with was the chestnut with the white feet that Stanley had, and she was Stanley she, Scott. Was oh, trouble's blazing. That the it's a it's the embryo to sure yeah to the Palomino man. But all I'm trying to say is, is if if you could be around there, at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning drinking coffee and and watch the yearlings come running up and. People run the yearlings up and they get them in a pen. They catch them, they saddle them, yeah. and, then, and then me and Robbie would run up there to Lakeway and get a cup, of, a, the second cup of coffee, and we'd go out there and I'd, I'd get to sit and watch him. Oh, a cup of coffee. Yeah, I'd get to sit and watch him get on these horses that haven't been tied around. They haven't been lunged. They haven't been drove. I mean, they just got the first saddle. And you walk 150 feet and Robbie get on them. It wasn't like a not like a bronc riding ex escapade. It, it was the damnedest thing, and, I, and to this day, I still can't see it. I could talk him out of bucking, and he would lope him around Wait, this. He would lope him around this hackamore and, and and roll him back, and it was. You broke them out in a hackamore, not a sidewalk. It was this rope hackamore. It was this rope hackamore. I still have them. Yeah, and if you talk to anybody that rides horses today, they'll tell you they hate it. But. That's how he did Rob, it. Robbie Schroeder could rope him. He could lope. He'd talk him out of bucking, and we. I watched him sell more horses that wanted to buck him off than that wanted to be good. And then, like as soon as they lost their buck, Robbie got Robbie get nervous, and I tell him, "Quit, sit back, sit back." But and Clint Haverty were probably the two best dudes I ever seen in my life. A horse that had, you know, I mean, like bring them in, saddle them, and ride them that day. I've I've never seen two guys like that in my in my lifetime the things that they could do. The year that I went down there, I guess it was a year, two, two years later, I, I fell in love with the, the slow burn horse. Mm -hmm. And um, we had ridden him before. I remember I was like, well, I mean, is he saddled? Because I didn't. <laughs> and Robbie's like, well, it will be in a minute. And I was like, what? I was like, Robbie, you don't have to do this. Because I've seen him do it quite a bit by then. You know what I mean? I was like, Robbie, no. So he just gets on this freaking stud colt. And just rides him. I know that sounds casual, but to get on a horse that doesn't... I mean, he just got on it. He would, <laughs> it's fine. He literally, would, literally saddle it up. No, like, like, the, like I'd be like, well, I'll lunge it with tires. No, I'm not doing that. So I'd bring that freaking Hackamore that he had, <laughs> and he'd, he'd stand on the ground with it, and he'd knock its nose left and right real quick. This is how we steer. And I don't mean, like, a lot. I mean, like, he'd whack it until it turned its head. And he would put his nose to his knee, and he'd put his hand on the saddle horn, and just get on. And that's it. <laughs> and, and and I want to remind everybody, too, that Blazing Hots are really athletic. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of ten, especially the ones Schroeder's had out of those good mares. Mm -hmm. If they wanted to buck you off, they could. it was only a matter of time. Like, they were really athletic. Well, he roped off of some of those things. And if you wanted to stop, drop, and roll, <laughs> they would do that. And he would just get on him and look at me like I'm stupid. Do anything you wanted to do. It kind of set me back in my career after I left because I just thought it was that easy. I'll go with that. Uh, that I mean, yeah, I mean, because Robbie bounced around that round pen five or ten times. 
And, and then, you know what? And what Robin would do in a hackamore yeah, in that yeah. stupid little thing, Yeah. I would take it for granted that I was just that good in a hackamore. Right. And then I, like, I'd buy him in that thing and I'd be like, oh, I got this. And so I'd drive back to when I'm really good in a hackamore. Well, as soon as I quit buying horses that Robbie started, well, shit, we're not doing the fucking hackamore. I mean, that's yeah. just, it, that was Robbie Strutter. We, we had, me and Robbie had a lot of fun there. I, th- I think we drove Joan crazy. If, if, if Robbie told me, hey, it's good, I, I'd sit back up there and show it to you. I mean, you come in and he goes, hey, you mind riding this one? It wouldn't matter if it's been rode two weeks. He's good. I said, okay, I'll sit back and show it. I took it for granted just how talented mm-hmm. that guy was. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. But I rode with him. We'd go to those big horse shows and Robbie would come and I would probably end up being more aggravated. Robbie was good about it. He, he didn't really care, but I was like, you know what? You know, I've won all this stuff, and I've been around great guys, and y'all are not giving this dude his, his, his credit. He won the world's greatest horseman. Not insignificant. No, it's not. If you if you ride the pleasure horses, you think, well, that's not the same. And if I could, if I could ever get out, get him, get out of his head, and just sit back, quit leaning forward, he would have won the Western pleasure titles. I had a great time there. They sent a lot of customers to me, and I, I was lucky. I was lucky enough to get the horses that Robbie rode that. Robbie thought a lot about. I didn't have to watch him. If you like it, that's good for me. And he taught me a lot about the Hackamore. I don't know how to describe how good he was in the Hackamore. And and to this day, we won't. Maybe ten years from now, we'll know how good he was in the Hackamore. But he he helped me a lot in the Hackamore because I used to, I used to just tie their heads around and get them really marked up and ride them in a bridle and the Hackamore would be it. But we could put them in a the Hackamore and really they wasn't even the snaffle. I can't describe it. Other than this, if you're going to start a horse in a hackamore, not a side pull and a tie down and a snaffle and a martingale, which, which we can do, when you get a dude that puts a rope hackamore on him, it fits four fingers and four fingers on the side, and this guy has a horse walk, trot, lope, stop, change leads. It was gifted. He was gifted. I remember I was riding a horse for Stanley Scott, and he he, he was riding, and he started riding around it. Tried to ride out of his feet and I said, Hey, Robbie, use your legs. And Robbie started squeezing. And I, I watched him go around a little bit. I said, You gotta stop. You gotta stop, mate. Just stop. <laughs> Robbie didn't use. We, we, had, we had a blast. I mean, I wish I was after horseman he was, but at least he would let me he would let me make fun of him and laugh at him. He would do the same with me. But like, quit, quit, just stop. Just stop. Derek Schroeder is the. How else do I say this? It wasn't like I had a plan. I didn't have a plan for success. They had a plan to get out of my misery. Yeah. And whatever I did, I didn't want to have to think about it. You know, so Schroeder's was, I get good horses to ride. Or a guy that I knew would do A, B, and C. I follow. And for for me, I'm not that good. I got there's got to be A, B, and C. There's got to be a lot of foundation. I can't just hop on them in 30 days. The legwork, Ritters is good. Um, you weren't really focused on your personal life. You were just trying to survive. I really wasn't trying to survive. What are you trying to do? Not feel. Not feel a thing. Yeah. When I got when I got hooked up with Jamie, that was that was after I was done at Schroeder's. I had my own business even at Schroeder's. That was odd. Oh, so you always had outside horses too. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had, out, I had outside horses, and I remember being we were at Schroeder's. I got paid by the ride. But it didn't end bad, did it? No. No, I, I remember Clint Haverty telling me when I was 
16 or 17 when I was leaving there. He goes, wherever you leave, no matter what you think, if you can't go, if a couple years go by or six months go by, if you can't go back to that same place, that same people, you left bad. So it's, I never tried to leave anywhere bad. You know, life happens, things change and circumstances, but you always want to be able to go back to where you left because then you know you didn't build, you didn't burn a bridge. So basically, except for ex-wives, you've left everywhere good. <laughs> I would hope so. Okay, so after Schroeder's, mm -hmm. there's uh, some time, because what I did was I made a timeline until I knew you really well, and so now mm -hmm. I know you, but the truth is, I lose it a little bit, so so right. at some <laughs> let's talk about Jamie meeting. This, this is a good story. So, so I, le I left, just got done at Schroeder's. I went, I went to Rusty's, and to be honest with you, there's there's no particular event that I can recall that made me and Rusty so close, other than we do each other. We spent some time down there in Paradise Farms in Rio, Medina, Texas. First year when you and Rusty got together? We knew each other before. How old were you then? Kids, right? Yeah. I, I can't ever remember my horse show days without knowing Rusty. But I, I can't. Most people, there's a defining year or moment that you become close with them. I can't ever remember not being close with Rusty. No, He's a childhood friend. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't even tell you what When did you meet him? I can't tell you that. I'm, I'm not sure when I met him. I met him when he worked for Steve, Mary Carroll was still alive. He would come hang out at the horse shows as like Mary Carroll's young, wild, irresponsible brother. It's funny. And that was when him and Ricky G worked for Steve. Well, my first introduction to Rusty Green was when Steve Heckman, he was, Rusty was working for Heckman. I was working for Cleve. That was 86 in the summer or something. And I remember being there and Cleve said, look, you're in charge till I get back. Oh Where are you going? He goes, I'm going up there. And he, he literally chased Steve Heckman around with a baseball bat trying to steal Zip's chocolate chip. And Rusty Green worked for Steve Heckman. That goes back that far. So that's when you and Rusty met? Yeah, we kind of knew each other, <laughs> but somewhere in there. But it, it's very odd. I can tell you when I met each wife. I can tell you when I met each employer. But I cannot tell you exactly when me and Rusty Green become... It's been that long. You're just that tight. I guess so, yeah. Okay, so let's, so, so before we get into Rusty, um, let's do your next wife, Jamie. Okay. Let's tell that story. It's a fun story. I think it's funny that no one remembered that you were responsible for this introduction until okay. today. <laughs> well, I did remember. I just forgot until she reminded me. So, me and you. Yes. And, uh. Steve? Rusty, Rusty, and, and Heels, raw, raw hide. and Rawhide. We're in Oklahoma City, correct? Yes, and this is this is this is how weird it is. I do remember this. I had a horse named uh, El. I called him Elvis Stanley Scott. And he screamed and hollered the whole time. As I put the red bud riding around, and Rawhide, he was there. Rusty, I think it was maybe the beginning of Katie, maybe. Yes, and Sarah Healy. Before she was Healy, she was with Sarah Nat. <laughs> she was riding with Rusty and Katie. Yes. So I did too. I, I did too. I had to scream an ass stud, huh? and, I, and I just left riding at Rusty's. 
and and rawhide rawhide was stalled by Jamie and me and rawhide go back a long ways a long ways and I think rawhide's the one that introduced me and she she told rawhide that she wasn't interested in anybody but rawhide winked at me and said hey Shane don't give up is, did rawhide know her dad yes rawhide knew I'm her sure dad I and, and, knew him. and I, I, knew, I knew her dad her, yeah her dad's a great horseman Cliff and you know what? You know, good thing about Cliff is he—he he just calls a spade a spade. He's—he's he's a great horseman. So Rahad said, "said Man, that's a—that is a beautiful girl." And Rahad goes, "Yeah." When I'm talking to her, she's giving me the old cold shoulder. Right? I'm like, "Who are you to give?" Do you I not am, say I am Shane Dowdy? That's, that's what it. my mind. I'm running around going, "Hey, look, I'm Shane Dowdy at this horse show. I'm something." And she acted like I was nothing. He goes, "Don't worry about it." And then I had this old friend over here, Katie. <laughs> Katie Joe's Somebody like, I know softened her. Yeah, Katie Joe's over here like, oh, no. She's so softened her. So we're hanging out, and through a long evening, Yeah. It, it ends up... Night trips. We ended up, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we end up at a um, hotel room, but not in the bad way at first. We just ended up there. And Jamie had to go to the bathroom, and I look at Shane, and I, I got this. I've been softening this for a little bit. You've been working it. Uh, not hard, but enough that I knew that I got the vibe. And so I look at Rusty, and I'm like, we should go. You know how hard it is to give Rusty the eye to go? Oh, because Rusty <laughs> is difficult. But see, Rusty was, was, was chasing Katie, yeah. and Katie wasn't with us because Katie left with Sarah. So it was easier to do because Rusty wanted, wanted to, to go, go with Katie. That's right. I mean, I'm not saying it was easy because it's still rusty. I'm just saying that it was like... You could talk him into it. It was bit. right. I was like, listen. I was like, listen, you know where Katie is? And Sarah's gone. And I was like, you know, we should just leave. And so Shane looked at Rusty and like gave him the wink and the nod. And I was like, let's go. So I don't know what Jamie did when she came out of the bathroom because we left before Jamie left the bathroom. That was the first evening of those two. I'm not sure if y'all should thank me or not. But you got a pretty good boy out of it. <laughs> pretty good. You got a pretty good boy out of it. I do think a lot of Jamie and, and you, so. It really wasn't a terrible idea. No, it just didn't work for whatever reason. So you and Jamie end up together, and while you're together, you get Southern Thing. Mm hmm It was your master's horse. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so this is a great time to talk about Shane Dowdy's fashion. When you showed... <laughs> when you showed Southern Thing in the master's, you chose to show in coattails. I don't remember. I showed I showed Moonpine a white shirt. Just oh, you showed plain as boring white shirt. <gasps> it's a pretty. It's a pretty thing. thing. Was your master's horse? Mm -hmm. You showed. She wasn't supposed to be. We just showed her the master's because she has already entered. We just so I just fucking around with the coat. Her main goal was the three year old, the badness. That was the goal. So why showed it the masters? She's already entered. I figured, hell, I'll just put a sports coat on and just drive her around here a little bit. <laughs> Okay, but what other fashion choices have you made in the past, aside from the tails? I remember a leather shirt with buck stitching and pearl snaps. That was... Should she pull Sheikah now? She was badass. Huh? That was different, wasn't it? I mean, no one did it. It was leather, you guys. Shiny, like, pleather. <laughs> I guess my thing is, anybody can put on a cotton shirt. Toss can go left over right, right over left, and pull it, and it's done. Want to be different? Yes. You like being different? Yes. like being different be more normal i'll actually look different let's talk about fun <laughs> trends so were you around for the sweater trend what everybody showed in sweaters oh yeah 
I remember Keith Whistle and all of them showing the sweater. So that, did you ever show the sweater? No, that's why I did the leather shirt. See, I feel like there was the cinch. When cinch first came around, they had the big check plaid. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they took the sweaters. Wait a minute. No, wait. The sweaters turned into, what did you say? The Pleather. Polo Nautica Tommy Hilfiger yeah. block shirts. Oh, yes. Bright colors. Block. Yeah, sweaters are bad right now, but Lauren can't find me a sweater to show in. <laughs> So then we went to that, and then the cinch deal uh -huh. was block plaid, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you decided at that time to show in a pleather shirt with buck stitching and snaps. Yes, yes. Cool. What do you and mean cool? <laughs> and so then freaking cool. And then I remember that everybody was like, "Why your shirt?" <laughs> and then what? Did you do anything else weird besides the pleather shirt and the coattails? And the Tommy Hilfiger one sleeve, one yeah, but color. Everybody did that. So that was you normal. and Todd Summers. Todd Summers loved <laughs> the block shirts with that the That was color. John Dean. He had one. John Dean! <laughs> he had the slick chaps. John yeah, Dean no. had the slick chaps and the block shirts. Yeah, you gotta take your half. On, um, he, on, on, on Good Machine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was probably him. And he was the shirt. first horse I ever saw that was disjointed. <laughs> so he was so big behind. No matter how good he was up front, he, he was that good. And I think that's why all those babies, especially she made, are special behind. Because that's the dominant gene that Machine Made got from Good Machine. I believe that. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Good Machine was... Bionic behind? So bionic. I guess the thing I would like to be... I would like to see the credit and more payment given to a horse that's bigger up front than behind. Just to me, when you, when you ride them and you... When you train them, the hardest thing is to get the thing to stand up on his off front leg and have so much different definition up front. The big hind leg sweep is is a trap and a submission. And the big front leg is a freedom. We'd rather see it be freaky in its front leg than freaky behind. For me. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. To, to, me, to me, the bigger their front leg stride is, is the less... I'm not a saint, and I'm not milk toast, and I'm ex anybody in America. But when you put that horse on a full drape and his front leg goes to where his nose is, this is what I know. There's less intimidation for him to stay. And more self-carriage. More self-carriage and more honest, like, this is where I want to be. Because if you take a horse that sticks his nose out there like that and stays slow, and his front leg goes, he wants to be compliant. Now, you take a horse that puts his nose out, takes a big stride behind, and a short stride up front, he is submissive. He, he's submissive. I want a compliant horse, not a submissive horse. Anybody can make a submissive horse, but how many horses can, how yeah. many horses can present a compliant horse? And, and the sad thing about it is, is like everybody wants to talk about getting them off the front end. Look, kick their hips over a click, and a click is outside front leg, outside hind leg. Lines up with the inside front leg. Yeah. Okay. Click, kick them over there. And if they're in the right pace, they're compliant. You get a, a one foot stride behind and a seven inch stride up front. You've got intimidated, wore out slave. And, and you know what? I, hey, I want to dance with the best. I don't ever want to dance with a slave. I want to, I want to dance with the I dance with a queen and a king. I don't want to dance with a third grade partner. I'll say something even further that the next generation would say. As a person who's very aware of what the internet says, nobody ever complains 
about the horse that lopes like you like and like I like. Complain about the horses that lope giant behind, lope sideways down the rail and shuffle up front. That's what they call the crab. And so that is a gate. When they say they look like a crab, I'll be honest, some of them freaking do. They lope sideways down the rail, huge behind and weird up front. And if you can finish here with your front leg way out in front of you, now we're going somewhere. And that translates other things. You can change leaves on it. You can trail on it. Mm -hmm. They have to swing together. And if we all swung together, the internet would not complain. It's real easy for us to sit here and criticize it. But the ones that are going to criticize it are the ones that are producing the gate we're just talking about. Sure. How do you feel about the pleasure horse now versus when you first started? Because you've been through it. You've seen the wave and... I feel like it's a little slower on light cruiser and the horses that I get on before. And I have, a, I have a really, I have two really good horses now. Love you too. Yeah. It's my favorite one of the whole year. And then, you know, my, my senior horse or my 10K horse, Cool Addie, she's a cool horse. Mm-hmm. She could fit. So I don't, I don't think the generation they come from affects them more than the generation looking at them. Here, here, here's how I see it. How they judge them today is how we're going to present them tomorrow. Yes, and, and me personally, I, I have no opinion on if you get a bunch of judges at the NSBA World Show that want to crack back. Look, you want to crack back, you let me know that. I'll crack them back as hard as anybody else in the country. I promise you. Just let us sure. know what we're supposed to do. Let me know. You're going to go to the World Show, you want them to float, let me know. We'll float them. And and that's the struggle with the pledge horses today is do we crack back or do we float? Do we crack back or do we float? So that being float? said, do you think that you would have done better if you had a partner? Do you think you were at your best when you had Robbie beside you or maybe even Jody? Cleve. Or Clint? You were at your best then? I think I'm at my best when I have a partner that is in the know. I feel like, give me this year, next year, whatever. Whoever my eyes is around me is is how competitive we're going to be. So should we segue into Rusty? Because yeah, so let's so let's talk about Rusty now. Who's your lifelong yeah, yeah, friend? Speaking of eyes on the ground, that would be Rusty. And you're yeah, it, it, and you're, in, it bleeds into it. And you're here now uh, mm-hmm. in Ocala, Florida, mm-hmm. with Rusty and Katie and mm-hmm. your girlfriend's Lauren, mm-hmm. and you guys all ride together like a family every day, mm-hmm. and you have your eyes. Mm-hmm. You happy? Yes and no. Talk about that. <laughs> that. Look, yes or no? Like, what's the no and what's the yes? The yes is, and this is just me. I mean, you're honest and we love it. You've been honest the whole time. I stopped. Yeah, the, the yes is, yes is the people I'm around. If they say I look good, I believe them. And the no is, knows my, in my brain. So you're not settled. Right. I've never been settled. Right. That's your issue. Hmm. It's been my issue. I'm 50 now. That's been my issue since I've been. 18, 19, it's 16. Never enough. Good, good is never good enough. That's right. And I, I'm telling you, Light Cruiser and Zippo Zamblin' Easy, One Red Eye Zip, Jack's Lucky those horses lope slower than we did today. I promise you guys, I'm showing with you, they lope slower. Those horses had more fire, so I was riding a lot of brake. Look, I know I know about brakes. Yes, you do. Trust me. You get a gray horse in there and all he wants to do is run off and you got to dial your brakes in so tight that you blink your eyes too too much you stop. I know about brakes. What I see us losing this deal is horses with the go. So now we got to drive and stop. Drive and stop. The easier thing was, was those horses wanting to leave. 
All you have to do is contain them. So now we got to build energy, contain energy, build energy. And you cannot be competitive in today's world if you don't have somebody's eyes that are with you. One day you got to peak them, the next day you got to contain them. And, and there's no other way around it. We've made it too fucking hard. We've made it too hard. Mm -hmm. We've made this thing. We've made a watch rock canner as hard as we possibly can. I've been told that we took the easiest class of four shows. And made it as draw. hard as we could. Who else? What do you mean we took the easiest class and made the hardest one? We did. All right, so is there anything else you want to say about Rusty? We haven't really talked about Rusty, to be honest. We haven't really talked about Rusty, and I feel like he's probably Rusty? your dearest friend, and you've been together and apart and together and apart. Now you're here with him again. Right. And I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe Rusty without getting too emotional, but how do I describe it? Everyone cries on shift when you brought it to me. Yeah, everybody cries. I guess it would be, you know, what, what they say, a definition of a brother is somebody that's with you through good, bad, somebody you can call on when you're down, somebody that defends you, that rooms against you. That's what I'd say. That's all? Yeah. yeah. He's good. I We have a weird, weird relationship. It's not anything like, it's not really technical. It's pretty simple. Simple. The best kind. Yeah. Yeah. Your life's been high and low. There's a point in time in your life when you looked left, but you should have looked right. Is there a defining moment, or do you feel like it was always fleeting, and you just... What was that? You know, like, you have this path, and you, and you, and you should have looked right, but you looked left instead. Have mm. you ever done that? I never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there a moment when you look looking back, back and you go, Looking back on it, every time I should have looked right, I looked left. So it was a continuous thing. So it was, it was just a... But I'm... Look, I'm half a hundred. Do you think you're self-mutilating? Me? Yeah. 110%. What do you think that is? I don't know what... I don't have a good an, a good reply. I know this. If if we are sitting somewhere at a table, then I could hurt you, hurt Sarah, hurt Rusty, anybody in my life. I would hurt me before I hurt y'all. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. That's a great answer. Yeah. That's a great answer. So, and a serious burden. Yeah. If, if you look, if you stop and think on it, like, yeah, I, I will hurt me before I hurt y'all. We'll find people to disagree or whatever, but that's that's mine. Well, I think what happened was you made a bad decision for yourself, mm -hmm. especially in the cases of when you were married and you had a family, hurting them, too. Yeah. But how about this? Purpose. How about this? If... If I wouldn't have made the bad decision with Jody, I would have never met Jamie. Right. Would have never had SJ. And if I wouldn't have made that bad decision, I would have never met Lauren. Sure. So I look at it like right now it's bad. A few years later, it can be good if it's honest. Sure. If it if it's for some kind of self gain, then that backfires on no, you. No, that's never been you. Ever. Matter of fact, I feel like. The decisions you've made, especially the bad ones, mm -hmm. have never been to hurt somebody else. No, that's, that's not my intention. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't ever think that's. I always look at it like I can overcome hurting me, but I can't overcome hurting you on purpose. Do you think? Because I was going to ask you what you think your greatest strength and weakness is. Do you think that's your that's your biggest flaw? Self mutilation. Yeah, no doubt. No, think, no doubt. Do you think that you have or ever will outgrow that? No, hell no. I'm fifty now. I won't outgrow it. So it, it still haunts you? 
Every day. Every day about uh, 5.30. Morning? Mm -hmm. You wake up and you're riddled with guilt mm -hmm. or you're, for what you've done or what you want to do? Or fear about what I might do. There you go. More for what I might do. Mm -hmm. Well, that's heavy. <laughs> yeah, but don't it's ask. Honest. You don't want to no, know. No, it's honest. I mean, yeah, about about five five thirty in the morning, I wake up and it's like, what will I do today? Yeah, because no matter what I do to tomorrow, next month, I've had a good life. You had a great life. But what I do tomorrow, next month, I don't want to fuck nobody else's life up. So my next question is, if you could change something that you've done, mm -hmm. would you? And that segues into change something about yourself. Do you wish you could change that part of yourself? Because you have a tough question there. Because you could have a normal, a nor whatever normal means, life. But that might not mean that you're Shane Dowdy in the worst world, whatever that means. Because I, I think, and this is my take on things, I think that super athletes, super artists, I think that we're somewhere in the middle of, I don't mean we, I mean you, people, of course trainers that are really good. Somewhere in the middle of super athlete and super artist. Somewhere in the middle is where horse trainers are greatness falls. I think that with that comes a lot of burden and a lot of fucked upness. And so would you trade the fucked upness and the burden that comes with that for being level and normal? Whatever that means too, but I think people generally get what I mean. I think you do too. You trade that part of you to be like Gil, me. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. So the trophies are worth it. I didn't say trophies are a bonus. Right. It's really the only leg I have to stand on. Now. So the victory is not in the trophies. The victory is in? Victory. To me, the victory is going down a path and working out to me. If you turn around and look at victories, there, there's a lot of feelings and stuff behind it. But, but to me, it was, I don't think I've... I think I've always been pretty true to this this path that I thought I was supposed to go on. Right. So yeah. well, you know, I, right, I right, or, right or wrong, all the bad that I've done, but I like to back up and say, okay, sadness and the hurt feelings not be involved. But sure, but I feel pretty fortunate because every bad thing that happens to me gets a little better each time it folds over. Yeah, so, wake up with that one. Like, okay, this might be a bad deal. Well, you know what? Each time you stay true, even though it's bad, it gets, it keeps getting better and better. So, you don't think that's just aging? Yeah, yeah, I really do. Think it's aging, or you think it's getting better? It actually is getting better for me. Yeah, it's getting better. But you don't think that that mindset isn't coming from you mm -hmm. getting older? I don't know if if I would have been a if I wouldn't have won the stuff I've won, it'd be tough. Be tough. But I'm sitting I'm sitting back here winning things, been around people that you would die to be around. So I, I guess I look at it like, man, it just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> no, it makes sense. I'm I just mean, asking you questions. I, I, I'm not I'm not knocking, I'm just trying to Yeah. And you have a saddle tree named after yourself. Can we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> the saddle. Hell, I'm just trying to get something I was comfortable riding, Sarah. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't for all you jokers. <laughs> this is my, my memory of it. The, the data tree coming about, me and Jeff have we've been pals since, and I can't remember when we weren't friends. I was, I was wanting to get Phil Harris to change some things that I was comfortable riding in the saddle. I don't know nothing. I can't build a saddle. 
I cannot build a saddle, but I can tell you what I'm comfortable in. And it was pretty, pretty set on, no, this is what we do. This is our saddle. And I was riding in a Phil Harris saddle. I said, okay, I understand. One of my renter buddies was Jeff. And Jeff said, I was telling him about our conversation. He goes, well, we'll try to do something different. There's some, there's some stipulations and some guidelines we have to stay in. Okay, fine. So the first saddle we did was Imperial, and it was it was good. The Imperial tree. The Imperial tree was good. It, it had the it had the cool horn like I wanted. It, it had the whole shebang. It was so. Bob was off doing his own thing. So Imperial come about, and it was all good. It wasn't supposed to be a production line. I guess they sold some of them. That was like a pilot. I just wanted to test it out. Mm-hmm. And so. Times change, I get a little older, I want a different saddle, so okay. Blue ribbons, blue ribbons, they've been great. You know, I don't know how to say it, but I don't really want to make a saddle that you wouldn't necessarily want to ride. I don't want to exclude you from it. I want to get something that I'm comfortable in. Mm-hmm. It needs to work and, for you and if you're going to put your name on it. They, they've been great, because Dowdy Tree, they, they sell a lot of them, they tell me they do. It was never, ever my point of view, intended to be a marketing tool. But it's a marketing tool in the end. <laughs> well, like, I'm, I guess that's a great thing, but it was like, what do I want to ride in eight hours a day? Yeah, and Jeff did you a solid and built it for you. Mm-hmm. Jeff and Vern and, and the whole Blue Ribbon team, they did great. Because look, I am a pain in the neck. Oh, you are? Oh, yeah. You I know, no I send that subtle back. Look, I want this different. I want that different. To the point where when I walk up, every, you can see them like crying. like, oh, God, what does Shane want now? But they were, they were good in that aspect. Okay, so you have a saddle tree named after you. How many times have you won the World Show? A few. How many times have you won the Congress? A few. Can you give us an estimation? Give us an estimation. Nine. World Show? World Show. Wasn't there two years when you won the junior, the senior, and the twos in the same year? <laughs> yeah, well, well, we won't talk about that. Why not? That's over here. Well, y'all do the math on that. I'm keeping track. Well, there's six. So now you're 50. Mm-hmm. You live in Ocala here with me. Mm-hmm. Well, with Rusty, but me too. Mm-hmm. I'm important. Mm-hmm. So half your life's behind you. You have the other half ahead of you. Mm-hmm. What's next? And you have any advice to a generation <laughs> behind you, what do you have to say to them? I have to say the generation behind me. I would have to tell them don't focus so much on the win. You know, charge for your time. Be smarter for that. Because I, I feel like horse trainers don't charge enough. Don't charge enough for their time or they charge too much and, and they're wrecked financially. I would have to say if you're if you haven't had an education in finances, take a night course in college, riding. The horse riding will not make you it will never ever make you wealthy. If you're lucky, it'll pay your bill. Are you happy with that? No. You're 50 now and you wish you had more money. I'm 50 now, I wish I had more education. I wish I wasn't so ignorant to the world. What do you wish you would have done? If you have traveled more, you should have gone to college? I wish I would have took some more college classes and done what the people in front of me told me to do. You know, go to college classes, learn more about finances. I always thought if you won world shows, you'd get money. Those trophies are worth nothing. Nothing. Even at the pawn shop. Yeah, the, the pawn shop will give you, what, 75 to 100 for them? You can buy them on the internet for 250 Do you believe that? You can buy them on the internet, on Facebook for $250? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the value in that is to the individual. Yes. 
That's I will what. say that I bought a couple on the internet because the <laughs> owners got them and I wanted to have them in the house. What did you give for them? Nothing. Nothing? I mean, I paid 50 bucks for one of the Rita ones. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the year that I was second at the World Show on Bernie. Mm -hmm. In the twos, Western twos. And I just got another one the year that I was third on the only best movie. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now what? I want you to answer that question. Now what, Shane? It's going to be hard. Now what? Next five years look like for Shane Dowdy. I don't know. You know, that's what I, I wake up, I'll sleep to every night. So five o'clock in the morning haunts you because mm -hmm. you don't know what's next. Is that accurate? That's right. Uh, I, I would. Do say you feel like the drug thing is behind you? Or does it still haunt you? Drug thing? Yeah. I would say I'm lucky that part because you're you know, not that you can walk yeah, away from. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't even cross my mind. Well, I guess. Good. Yeah, I guess it's a good. Do you think it's because you're pretty settled and happy for now? Yeah, I think I, I've been there, done that. Mm -hmm. I can go back. I can go back here in 10 minutes. This is how I look at it. You can drop me off anywhere in the world, and you can put $5 in my pocket. And if I want to get high, in about 45 minutes, I can go get high. You'll find and it. There's nowhere in this world you can put me. So I give myself the freedom for that. I don't, I don't tell myself, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. I don't care who you are. Well, I don't care how old you are. You cannot get high enough to get away from reality. 100%. But you know that now because you've been on both sides. Yeah, I've been on both sides. Look, y'all have taken my pictures. I've won the world show high. I've won the world show straight. It, it makes no difference. That don't make no difference. It's, it's your outside life. Sure. You know that now? Yeah. Did you know that when you were 25, 30? Give a shit. You did it then to stay awake, I think. Mm-hmm. Ride horses all day. Mm -hmm. I, uh, let's 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 back up a little bit. I didn't I didn't do drugs to get out of this world. I did drugs to be a part of this world. There, there's a big difference. And maybe maybe when my son is 16, 17, if he ever hears this, I'm sure from now till he gets older, I did it to get out of this world. I didn't do it to get out of this world. I did it to get in this world. Even though, mm -hmm. by other people's definition, that's weird. Mm -hmm. I think you did it to be better at your job. I do think that you spun out a couple times, like everybody. No I mean, doubt. There's no, no doubt. doubt about that. No doubt, but I did it to get in this world, not get out of this world. So, do you regret it? No. no. Do you regret not having retirement and whatever it is that people who are 50 and successful in their entire lives should have? Sure. Is that the part you regret? Sure. That's the part I would regret. Yeah. I think. No, sure. Because yeah. clearly you're not going to regret your decisions up until now because right. you really haven't had any punishments right. or any expenses, I guess, to your right. life thus far. My long. punishment is I'm going to live to be 125 and live here forever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, granted immunity, I've been gone 10 years ago, which has been great for me. No. My mindset. At that time. At that time. At that time, not now. Yeah. Seem as a person who's known you, not like obviously, well, some have been known you for a long time. Seem really good right now. You and I, and you and Tim, have had like, normal conversations on the regular, and I actually like you now. <laughs> <laughs> Makes two of us. <laughs> yeah, I, Cheers. I didn't like me till maybe. I thought you meant me. No, I like thought he was like <laughs> He likes himself too. <laughs> you know, I've only liked me for about two years. So. But that's got to be nice. That has to be a good Why do you think that is? Why do I think that is? Yeah. 
Yeah, without getting too deep, I think it's just a matter of uh, shit happens in this world. What do they say? What's that line in uh, Lonesome Dove? Sometimes the best things about that stuff is you just got to ride off from it. I said that terrible. But, <laughs> but no, you're, you're, you know, when, when bad stuff happens, something sometimes the best thing you can do is just ride off. Right. And grow from it. And I, it feels right. like it feels like you're doing that. Guess what? Yeah. Life's only half over, so... Yeah, so we never finished our question. What's next? I've got 20 years left. You can't ride horses the rest of your life. Why can't I? Well, because you're going to suck in 10 years. No, I got so much feel. I feel a gnat's nuts when he lands on my show. How? You're 50 years old. You're going to be 60 in 10 years. Name a person who's 60 years old that can still do it like they did when they were 25. Mm, Bob Avila. He was. Mark Harris. I don't know. I don't know. That, that's the scary part. Have you ever thought that maybe you should think about the rest? Yeah. Are you starting to think about the rest or no? No. I do, but it scares the shit out of me. So, so you don't think about it. Avoidance so you're avoiding is, it. This is what it, this is how I handle it. When I think about it, I think about some stuff I could do, things I could say. I'm like, will you regret this in two years? Yes. So I keep my mouth shut. That's you growing up. You wouldn't have done that three years ago. Right. So those are the things that gets me. So I do think this show pony was one that everyone was asking for for a very long time. And I'm so grateful to Shane for actually agreeing to this. I yeah. Thanks for would. being so honest and <laughs> candid in your answers. Quite frank. We're going to get a lot of questions. A lot of feedback is coming your way. All right. Yeah. Are you yeah. happy? Yes, I'm happy. Good. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you. You for girls are easy to talk to. Ah, it's a trap. <laughs> We're a trap. That's it's a right. It's a trap. It's the it's blonde hair and the titties. Yeah. And the big butts and the smile. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Shane, thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Bye, guys. <laughs> See you on the next one. Mm.